Dirty oh, Mike, is that you? <laughs> is there whiskey in here? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. And on this show, I interview all types of professionals in all different areas, whether it be business owners, entrepreneurs, corporate stars, any type of professional that's really exceeding in their field, and talk a little bit about what's allowed them to be successful so far. And today I've got Mikey Conlon on to talk a little bit about his MMA career that's budding and how he got into it and, and a little bit about NFTs that he's working on. And uh, let's get into it. Cool. It's Thanks really for having great me. Great to have I'm you happy. here, man. Thank you for being here. Happy to be here. Bless awesome. man. It's a great day. Uh, Thursday. It's Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday today. So we're getting into the weekend here. How's your week been going? Pretty good. Um, I've been off the mats a little bit less. I just got back on um, probably about a week ago. I'm working on Web3, these NFTs, and uh, just bartending. Actually, interesting segue there. We mm-hmm. Another thing we talked about kind of off air is that you're taking a month to do Sober October. Yeah, are you, I are you still I doing that? I think I might have violated that. I'm, I'm fair enough. I was doing hookah, and I think that there that that, that goes against it. I guess it's just like whatever you want to make of it. You haven't drank though. Yeah, I mean you're still you're in that vein though. It was a challenge. Like one of my friends challenged me, and uh, I was like, yeah, I'll do it with you. I mean, it's not very hard for me to do. It's just now more than ever, the temptations are there. People want to hang out and sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had asked you if you wanted to drink on the podcast, and that's kind of how it came up. I, I'm curious, what are some things that you've noticed just by taking a little break? Any any things in particular? Well, here's the thing is that I always tell this to people. I mean, I don't smoke. I really don't, um, at least not often. Maybe once or twice a year I'll do it, depending on the person I'm with. Um, but drinking, I don't drink often. Like, I mm-hmm. really don't. Um, but when I drink, I drink you all. drink hard. <laughs> I drink all. Yeah, it's like I have I have a drunk alter ego. His name's Dirty Mike. Uh, it's funny. He's from the uh, the movie The Other Guys. Yeah, Dirty Mike and the Boys. Dirty it's, Mike and the it Boys. Was coined a few years back on a cruise, and uh, <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. I mean, it's not like he's he's harmless. He's harmless. Yeah. Just like I'll, I'll tend to wander. I'll get hungry. Mm-hmm. I'm outlandish and say some funny stuff, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm not terrible to yeah. be out with. Like it's enjoyable. Anything you've noticed, just like in the way that you feel, like since you've taking a little bit of time off i definitely feel a little bit more productive i for the most part like having control of my day and control yeah. of how i think and how i feel yeah and not altering my status does that yeah you feel like you just have that control a little bit more consistently yeah yeah, yeah. And, and 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 to be to think to to be honest if you think about it there's people that can't go without it like yeah. people look forward to the weekend some people drink and smoke daily and mm-hmm. that's not a problem it's only a problem if it is for you Right. So uh, I just don't see it fitting into the lifestyle that I want to live. And and, and and my everyday actions are kind of pouring into the future husband. I want to be the future father I want to be. So I'm not going to be drinking every day. I'm not going to be smoking every day. Right. And it's just like for you, it's nice to have a little break here and there. You know, we're talking about this because I've done a couple little sabbaticals from it as well just over the years, just taking like a month off at a time or something. I like it because it, I feel like it just keeps me at like a little bit of an arm's reach of it. Like I always know that. If I needed to, if I needed to really lock in on something, I can kind of just step back and really get clear for a bit. I mean, if you really think about it, um, it's an it's a life enhancement. Mm-hmm. You know, you go out with friends, you drink, it kind of enhances the night. So yeah, you do it right. If you smoke, it enhances whatever you eat. Sure. Part. And then we can jump into other drugs, but it, they enhance whatever you're trying to do mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. 
Um, that's what I like to think. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think of it too. There's definitely times where you're like, I like to go out and drink with friends and I feel like I have better conversations sometimes. Sometimes I'll drink on the podcast and I'd like to say it adds like a another 30 minutes to the conversation a lot of times, but it's just like a, it's an interesting kind of perspective on it, just using it as an enhancer. I don't think it applies for everyone, but with it enhancing, I think it also wires, not, it doesn't necessarily wire your brain different, but it, it brings forth different thoughts, different convos, different topics. Yeah. Because I've, I've, I've had some really cool conversations just out drinking at a bar, things that I wouldn't even think about sitting at like a library or sitting at a gym. Exactly. Yeah. It just puts you in a new lane kind of. Very cool. Sober October. Sober October. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to kind of keep it updated. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I mean, it's not very, it's not going to be very challenging. I think there's a Halloween party coming up, and then my mom's getting married in Vegas in a week. Yeah, you had mentioned days. you have, like, a lot going on in October, so it's just not, not as much of a challenge just, like, in general, but just a lot going on that you've got to kind of, like, just stay clear on it for. Yeah, it, it's not going to be very hard at, all, hard at all, and I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight. I want to stay consistent with my training. You know, I've had a few op- obstacles this year. Mm-hmm. Um, still going through those obstacles, but uh, I would definitely like to get into uh, MMA competition again, turn pro, yeah. you know, really start to chase his career. What does a typical week of training look like for you? Before 2022, 2022 has been a big curveball on what I would like to do. Um, Just getting busy with other things, kind of? Uh, I've been injured since January. You know, right, uh, you fractured, mentioned that. Fractured my finger. I've been going to physical therapy ever since, twice a week. Um, shout yeah, out. shout out do- Dr. Coach Kev that was on here a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you can yeah. find the link up here somewhere. <laughs> one of my best pals, uh, one of the smartest people I know, he always teaches me. Um, this is our second injury we're going through. He helped me reca- rehab from the first one, mm-hmm. which was a uh, hyperextended elbow. I hurt in a fight. Wow, I got, okay. I, I got arm barred, so your arm's only supposed to go this far. Yeah. And the hips on an arm bar shoot through. So it did. And it kind of cracked six times Jeez. in his lap. Yeah. Shout out to my pal, Corey Taylor. is the guy that I fought and the one that hurt my arm. Yeah. Uh, one of my like best friends now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool how like the MMA world works. Yeah. Like, actually, I love that dude. That guy, uh, he's a father. He's an, uh, he's a vet. He's a husband. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just someone I look up to. And, and we're both Filipino. So it's like, I got to fight him, share, share that violent nine minutes with him. And yeah. Now we're like really good friends. Yeah, that is cool. I missed that he broke my arm. Because you would almost guess that there's, like, a lot of beef between fighters. like, And it's, I mean, I, I feel like part of it's just for, like, the, the the whole gambit of it. But I feel like it probably does really bring you close. I think, and with Corey, uh, I, like, it was a very, it was a split decision. Very, very close contested yeah. fight. Uh, that was that was a big part of my story. And I mm-hmm. needed that. And I was fortunate to have it go my way. Uh, when it comes to fighting, I like to think of myself as an entertainer. Yeah. I like to keep keep people entertained in between fights, during the fights, before the fight. Like, I haven't fought the most. You know, mm-hmm. I've only had nine fights, uh, nine fights in eight years. It's not very mm-hmm. active at all. Yeah, um, I, I tend to get in my own way, which is fine, uh, as long as I'm self aware and I know that. But I, like I said, I've, I've also fought really good people. Yeah, like studs like black belts, knockout artists, wrestlers, brawlers. I've had my fair share of of feeling different styles and. No one's finished me. No one's really ever dominated me. And yeah. This says a lot about me. Pretty minor injuries that are not too damning in the eight years that you've done it, in my opinion. You've only had the I'd two kind of injuries and both things that you can really come back from, it sounds like. I mean, I've had I've had a ton of injuries in eight years, sure. but uh, keeping me off the mats has been this year. Yeah. I, I think I was like without training for four or five 
almost six months uh, from January from to the May finger to June. Yeah, yeah, it's still here. It's, still here. it's weird. Yeah, me. yeah, you could definitely see. Wow. But me and Kevin are working on it. I mean, I yeah. can't grip things. I can't even close it all the way right now. Wow. Um, without his help, I can't do it. So wow. when I go to him, I get my flexibility back. We get our range yeah. of motion. Um, it hurts really bad. I can but, imagine. Um, and the goal is to just kind of keep getting that range of motion a little bit further, a little bit further. And, yeah, and slowly get the swelling down. You know, mm-hmm. there's four fractures here. There's a small bone sticking out and torn ligaments. Wow. So I've been having to try to overcome that all year. So I've spent a lot of time in the gym, like lifting weights. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd say that I put on size. I had a, a teammate of mine. Yeah. He goes, I haven't seen him maybe since January, February. It's been a bit. Mm-hmm. And he, he's dealing with injuries too. Uh, his name's Angelo, 10 and 3 fighter, uh, pro fighter. It's a good really, record. Really good, really, really yeah. good. Um, but he sees me, and mm-hmm. he, and he just he goes, "Dude, you're filling out like you're, you're looking big," and that's like yeah. that's like the best thing you can say. Oh me, yeah, that's like one of the best yeah. things you can say. So I was like, I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, I hope so. With me putting on all these like daily hour, you know, all these mm-hmm. hours, um, hashtag daily bread, yeah, weight. But I would hope I'm getting bigger. But like like hearing that, it's, it's cool because I fight at 155. I walk around 80, 85. Okay. And you, to get that to get that weight down to make fifty five, that's is hard. a big difference. It wow. Is. And and I miscalculated my last cut. I missed I missed weight my last. Really? Cut. Okay. So what happens when you miss weight? Um, or you're not able to do the fight? The opponent either takes it or they don't. And gotcha. I've been on both ends of that. Okay. Uh, and I and I feel really bad for putting my last opponent in that like to have to make that decision. Right. Um, that guy was awesome too. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, it was my Muay Thai debut. So Muay Thai like. The different styles I've competed in, I've, I've done jiu-jitsu tournaments, jiu-jitsu matches. Uh, I've done MMA fights, small four-ounce gloves, and then I had my first 16-ounce uh, glove. Or is it 16, 14, 12? Big gloves, mm-hmm. like boxing gloves. And uh, it was a Muay Thai fight. So Muay Thai's elbows, knees, kicks, punches. Um, amateurs don't get elbows. Uh, I don't think we agreed to it, but we could have. Um, but it was my Muay Thai debut. And this guy was a seasoned season striker. He was it was a great challenge for me, yeah. And, and uh, it didn't go my way, and yeah. that's that's life, you know. I had my moments. Sure. He had a lot more moments. Mm-hmm. So congrats to him. He comes out of a good school. Oddly, he trains at my brother's gym. So it's like, okay. I guess if I were to have like a second gym, it would be that yeah. place. So it was weird to have to fight them. Mm-hmm. That the whole thing even went down. But um, it's it's know, a good little rivalry, I guess. It's a weird rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, yeah. I don't know. I have my opinions on it. But um, what are some of the craziest rivalries you've had over the years that have led to fights? Dude, I've had so many beefs. I'm only, yeah. okay. I, I, I look at it like this I'm only an amateur. Mm-hmm. I'm not even a professional. I'm not even making that run to the UFC yet. Like, I, I essentially haven't even started my MMA career. Until you're a pro, like, all the amateurs really don't matter. Yeah. But I've found a way. And I think it's just by being me and how I carry myself. And I talk. Mm-hmm. And I've talked a lot over the years. And it's not even – I've backed it up. I really yeah. have every time. But people have called me out, and I've had beef. Mm-hmm. And I've had, like, weigh-ins where I'm, like, I'm jawing off at people, and I'm, like, in their face, and I'm on social media, and I'm tagging them and stuff. And it's just yeah. – I think I make it easy to not like me. Mm-hmm. And maybe sometimes people see, like, who I really am as the nice guy, and I'm kind of just entertaining. Yeah. So It's kind of the Conor McGregor model. Yeah, a little he, bit. He's kind of, but he's actually kind of a shitty dude in general. Yeah, like, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I, I like, it's not as much acting for him. His rise to the belt and then winning both belts—that uh, was an incredible run. That was very inspiring for a lot of people. No one will ever reciprocate that or mm-hmm. do that. But seeing how he treats people after and all, right. like there's all these like there's all these little like um, 
moments in time that he's just been shitty. Like, I, yeah. I really don't respect him as a person. I don't either. I liked him a lot until, um, who was it that he fought? Uh, Poirier? Poirier. The, the third Poirier fight when he went down, like, after the, the ankle injury or whatever it was, and he he said, some, your, girl, your girl's in me DMs or something like that. And well, I'll tell just, you what. Like, we've seen that injury over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen the Anderson Silva kick? I haven't, no. It's Same uh, kind of thing. It was an inside leg kick. Mm-hmm. And Chris Weidman, he, they, both of them used to be champs. Um, Anderson in his prime yeah, was untouchable. I don't know if people have ever experienced that. But Anderson Silva, when he had the belt, he won like 16 fights in a row, eight wow. of them de- de- title defenses. And he would just have his hands down. He was just a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Like, he would pack out Buffalo Wild Wings or wherever we'd watch. Yeah. It was just amazing. So he, he got – they called it a fluke knockout when, mm-hmm. when Weidman knocked him out with a left hook. And then everyone – the whole MMA world was shocked. Yeah, because after the first round, like uh, Silva's playing with him, putting his hands down. We're like, yeah, he's gonna get him the second round. He's gonna get him. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's figured him out. Like that's how it was. And then Weidman knocks him out. Yeah. Fast forward like six months, they have their rematch. Weidman dominates the first round, but he but but Anderson's chopping his leg kicks. Mm. He throws an inside leg kick, and Weidman. Uh, so basically, it's gonna be the top of your, it's gonna be your tibia, I believe. Mm-hmm. So like right under your shin. He threw that on an inside leg kick, which would be open stance. So my left for my left foot forward, mm-hmm. and uh, your right foot forward. So okay. it'd be like as opposed to like both of our stances being like this. Yeah. One stance is gonna be like this. Okay. So he threw it in a rear out uh, rear inside leg kick, and my left leg is gonna be open. Uh, is gonna be uh, orthodox. He like turned it and it checked it. So like that that the right under the shin like wrapped around his uh, knee kneecap. I'd have to send it to you. Wow. It's, it's kind of brutal. Yeah, but um, he was he went, went down in pain. He went down um, to the ground in pain and agony. And then seeing Connor with a very similar break in his in his leg, yeah, and then just be like heated, like sitting there, yeah, and then yelling stuff into the mic. Like it's two different, it's two different experiences. And, and the MMA world's like, yeah, Connor's big on cocaine. It's aging him, this and that. Really? Okay. And I, I mean, I don't know him personally, but uh, he is known for that. Yeah, and the fact that it's it's reached. Uh, the MMA world, they'll never let him live it down. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's just had some really, I think, telling reactions to things that really just show that his character is not that great. And it's it's really hard to – you can't really respect him after some of the stuff he's done. But he is the biggest name. He is the biggest time. name. There's, yeah. So there's something to that. And I think it sounds like you're kind of trying to model some of the, some of the hype aspect that he's been able to capture and create, mm-hmm. but without – yeah, without some of the the off the the mat problems that he's had, because I, I he'll he'll take it too far. Yeah, when, when it comes to trash talk, and I guess like when I was admiring his spectacle of him, you know, rising to the belt, I didn't see that. I was just said like, this is he's one of a kind. He's he's entertaining. He might win. He's gonna be he's gonna beat this guy and that guy. And he was doing it how he said he was gonna do it. And then he started taking it too far. I'm like, I don't think that I can talk like that yeah (laughs) Yeah. but uh i like to think about it like this uh when it comes to fighting um not everyone embraces it but some people will have the fight ability and some people will have the marketability very rarely do they have both yeah so i like to think that i have both um i don't have i think that's what it takes to really do well in this career right i think that that's given me opportunity i didn't deserve over my short or i guess longer amateur career I mean, I've had four title fights in eight in, in eight MMA fights. Yeah. So I've had four title opportunities in eight fights. That's so that, that's cool. What I mean, constitutes like, a title fight? Um, 
I guess being loyal to the organization that you're fighting for. Okay. I fought for a few organizations, uh, smaller ones, but uh, I think it comes to the the ability to either sell yourself or sell tickets. Like, are you gonna yeah. are you gonna put money in in their pockets? Are you gonna bring eyes to your own fight and to that organization? And I think I've always been able to do that. Bring the eyes. Yeah. What do you? What are some things that you attribute to your ability to do that? I'm me. Uh, I don't pretend to be anyone else or really mimic anyone else. Um, I'm so me that it intimidates other people who just the confidence. Yeah. And it's, and it's not even like an overabundance of confidence. It's just, I I will always be me. I'm very good at doing it. And, and it intimidates other people because they're trying to be other people. Mm -hmm. Like everyone wants to be someone, but no one wants to be themselves. Yeah. I could see this career just because you have to make a huge name for yourself and you have to drum up all this hype. I could see that drawing that out of certain people like kind of feeling like they have to be some character to make it. And I think just really leaning into who you actually are and just putting that on display is a better way to approach it. Yeah. Like I've, I've embraced a character. Uh, I won a belt last year or I won a belt in 2020. I defended it in 2021 for a combat night, uh, MMA. Love that organization. Favorite one I've ever fought for. Shout out to Mitch Chamale. Great guy. Um, you'd love to talk to him. You really would. Uh, but I won that and I started this thing in 2020. I grabbed the mic. I'm like, yo, if you, uh, <laughs> to the single, to yo, where the honey's at slide in my DMS. What's up? Yeah. And like, it's just funny. Like, it's just, I just, I, I want to fight. I, I was really humble and kind. And right after that, like, Hey guys, how rough year? 2020 is crazy. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Shout out to my opponent. And then I said that <laughs> I was like, I'm going to leave them with something. Like I'm going to like, I'm going to let them think about my next fight. Uh, did I expect any girls to message me? No, especially not. No, no. I don't think belts are going to pull girls. Did they though? I mean, not, not, with that <laughs> intent, not with that intent. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't, I don't, I don't ever want to, be, I've always thought I did. And it's so against me and, and who I truly am and my morals. I've always, all small parts of me throughout my life has always wanted to be like the ladies man. Mm-hmm. Mikey's good with the ladies. Mikey's got girls or hoes. Like I don't, I don't call them hoes or bitches. I, mm-hmm. I just don't do that. I'm a gent. I'm a gent through and through to the core of my heart. I'm a one, one, Classy one guy. person. Yeah, like one person at a time. Mm-hmm. I pride myself on that. So this whole shtick of where the honey's at. Yeah. Put put a not necessarily a pressure, but put a a fake. Rhetoric is that the word or a fake uh, like a fake persona kind of of who who I really am. So yeah. people who don't know me, you're like, oh, this guy's a city boy or mm-hmm. boy, right? Yeah, like, and I'm really not. Yeah, but I'm putting out content that's saying that I am. So for so I was trapped in like a year years worth of just doing city boy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Have you kind of tried to get away from that? For sure. Sounds like yeah, a rebrand, right? Yeah, yeah, rebrand. <laughs> yeah, but now I'm just really, like kinda, really being myself. Props to that, because to you for that, because it sounds like I mean that I feel like so many people get caught up in like playing this character in situations like that, and you if it's working, like you probably feel like you have to kind of lean into it and keep going with it, and maybe even play it up even more. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of what happened with Conor McGregor. But props to you for seeing that and recognizing that that's not you and pulling back and rebranding yeah. as yourself. Like, like I can, I can build a brand based off like where the honey's at, this yeah. and that. I think it's funny. People loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can still bring it up whenever I want, but I think I will use that narrative in the opposite uh, manner in terms yeah. of uh, if you have a good girl, be, if you have a good girl in your life, be a, gen, be a man and like treat her right. Yeah. Like be a gent. It's a good message. Um, I don't think that it's cool to have multiple, and I've been mm-hmm. 
Jesus. <laughs> I don't think it's cool to like play the falling into the character multiple, again. Yeah, right. I'm not trying to, but just to have multiple. Dirty drugs. Mike, is that you? <laughs> is there whiskey in here? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, I should have known. I went to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I don't know, man. I mean, it's just, just that's just the narrative for mm-hmm. for men is that. Like, boy to boy, like, yo, man, I've got this girl, I've got this girl, i got that girl. Like, oh, I've got someone waiting for me at home. And I just, it's never been me. I've just never had that rotation or that roster, right? i just have never you, done that. Do you feel like or have you noticed that that's prevalent in the MMA community at all? Or would you say no? You, you, like like playboys or like yeah yeah like having that kind of mentality i mean uh it's is always that common it's, gonna be, it's gonna be in every profession I'd yeah say. like every sport you know you're gonna have your your football baseball basketball like i feel like people will leverage their athletic career mm-hmm. um to do so right but what i've noticed and i'm sure it's in like i said every other sport but what i've noticed in mma at the highest heights as people ascend and get to the highest levels of competition and achievements and success, they have a strong support system. They have that strong woman by their side. Mm-hmm. They dedicate themselves to them. They get married, and then they have kids, and they build a yeah. family. So I've noticed, and that's something that I admire so much. Yeah. And as I grow and as the years go by, that's what I want. I mean, yeah. and I just think that I have to continue to grow as a person to get that. Mm-hmm. I know it's out there. I'm, I know I'm going to be a great father. I know I'm going to be a great hus- husband. But those are different variables. Like, I, I have to make sure I'm prepared for it. Yeah. Or else I could screw all of that up. Because sure. I'm a product of a divorce. Um, I love my I mom. Too. I, I love my mom. Yeah. I love my dad. But experiencing that, I just know that I'm not going to give that to my, my kids. They're not mm-hmm. going to have like an ounce of of any type of uh, tension between me and my future wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is an interesting topic. I'm the product of a divorce as well. And that's something I have thought a lot about in my life. I feel like that it's been so prevalent in our generation that like a lot of people in our kind of age group and generation almost have this like, there's a little bit more hesitation than the last generation around that and, and just put a little bit more thought into it, a little more hesitation into like diving into that. But I think, I think it's healthy to an extent to have, I maybe hesitation is the wrong word, but just being a little more intentional about the way we get into a relationship and the way we of course conduct ourselves in a relationship. Ba- boundary setting. Mm-hmm. Um, we I, were talking a little bit about boundary setting. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean to you? I, 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 and it's so, it's so, and this is me getting vulnerable, not like crazy vulnerable, but like just, just letting people know that it, like I, I love love and I, and, and I'm going to find it one day. I've felt it. I've, I've reciprocated it, but weirdly I've actually lost myself within relationships. I've, I've had some amazing, you know, uh, relationships over the years. Mm-hmm. I've met people that I was like, I might, I might marry her. Yeah. I'm um, one person I'd say, but I feel. I, I, and it's something I have to figure out with myself. Like, like I, I propose this is going to be where we're going to go. Like, we're going up here. You're going to this is your career. This is my career, and we're going to meet up here. We're going to mm-hmm. build together and get here. And this yeah. is the picture I'm painting for them. And at some point, I start to fall off, and it's happened in multiple relationships. And hmm. I can't figure out why. So, like, fall off mentally, physically, emotionally, financially right. as well. Everything just kind of doesn't click, and they're still going up. Hmm. And it's just. And if I was in reverse positions, I'd leave. I, I would leave as well. I yeah. just know that it's not a growth relationship anymore. And I don't it's a thing know. you're still trying to figure out. Yeah, like, absolutely. I don't even know where I was going with that. But but uh, we were talking about boundaries. It could just be that you weren't ready yet. Yes, that's probably that's the most likely scenario. Right for a I can long think time. Of. Yeah, sure. Um, Happens all the time. But with boundaries, I think that we don't put more enough emphasis on that. On setting um, boundaries. 
Uh, no. Uh, and I try to practice that on my friends. And it's not like I'm doing it to get better at it. How do I say this? I'm not putting them on my friends to like on purpose, mm-hmm. but it's a self-respect thing. Like there's, yeah. there's certain things I won't tolerate. There's certain things you shouldn't say or do to me. Mm-hmm. And I need to make that crystal clear or you're going to continue to do it. Yeah. And that's going to translate into how I communicate and how I set a boundary when I have that significant other. Yeah. So, and I'll tell you what, uh, it's not, I think when you set a boundary with someone and they don't receive it well, that shouldn't be a reflection of you. It should be a reflection of them. Sure. Yeah. Because I've set boundaries and they've gone and they've turned into like heated arguments. Mm -hmm. They've turned into, they've turned into things that they shouldn't have. Yeah. So I'll say like, Hey, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. Can we, can we not? And then they they call me sensitive. They you know, like they, they put it on me. I'm like I'm just asking you to stop. Yeah. And then they don't know how to accept that. And to me, that reflects how that reflects how they communicate with other people as well. I would agree Especially with that. Yeah. Significant others. Yeah, I think a part of any kind of relationship, whether it be a romantic relationship, a partner, or just a friend, I feel like any relationship should be able to respect boundaries and understand boundaries. Like I think there's a core do and don't. Like there's mm-hmm. core do's and don'ts. Um, but you can kind of you can kind of see people's judgment, like how yeah. they how they perceive things, um, based off of what they'll allow and what they do and how they treat people. I agree. Like it, it's, these are interesting topics to talk about. Yeah, I get to talk about often. Well, yeah, I guess the most intellectual conversations I have are with my good friend uh, Moy Tyler. Like it just he's I like how he thinks. We get along very well. I think we're both gentlemen down to the core, and just we have these conversations. Um, He's the, one of the only two people that can like let me that can get me to smoke. So when I do, I challenge like where my thoughts go, and I'll, and I'll like I'll like smoke with them, and then we'll 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 uh, we'll talk. Just like the conversation goes everywhere. You've mentioned a couple times this kind of concept of being a gentleman. What are a few things mm-hmm. to you that kind of constitute someone you would consider a gentleman? And what is what does that term kind of mean for you personally? Mm. That's a solid question. It seems like a very strong structure for you is this concept of being a gentleman. And I really like that term. You don't really hear that as often these days, I feel like. And it seems like... I don't like think a, anyone brags about being one. Yeah, yeah. It's and I kind of like the uh, the focus on getting back to that. Yeah. But I'm curious what it means to you personally. I think it's timeless. I mean... Agreed. I'll start by saying one of my biggest... I don't idolize anyone. Uh, so it's not an idol necessarily. But someone I've always looked up to and been influenced by has been Frank Sinatra. One, I love his music. I love how his music makes me feel. I love how he sings and uplifts women with his music. Mm-hmm. And and then like, just to get into his like life, I like how he carries himself. Like uh, I, I enjoy that the fact that he does things his way. Like he like he won't go stray any other path. I did it my way. Won't be turned yeah. any other way. Yeah. So I guess that's a good way to start. Um kind of piggyback off of that a big influence in my life of, of who i am um probably the biggest more than sinatra would be my dad my dad is just he's kind loving uh he's selfless i i noticed at an early age how he treated people and how they reacted to how he he was treating them and it was like good to them good back and, and it's not that i i want that in return i just enjoyed how he treated people and he was he was always He's always selfless and kind. Just a model for you yes. early on. So a great influence to have in my life. Uh, to this day, I emulate. You know, because, yeah. you know, it's my dad. His name's Michael Conlon uh, Sr., and I'm his junior. So mm-hmm. I have that connection as well. But it's just it's just someone I look up to forever. Well, look up to. 
So being a gentleman to you, it sounds like, is doing things your way and really having the confidence to do that, but also just treating people well and treating people the way that you would want to be treated. I'd say gentlemen outside of uh, courting women, you mm-hmm. know, outside of, of uh, I just it's selflessness. It's yeah. a genuine care for someone else's well-being, if not the masses. Um, to be honest, it's the only reason, not the only reason, but it's the biggest reason why I want to ch- want to pursue an MMA career is because I want the biggest platform to give back to the world to change the most lives. And I can build a platform doing other things. I have many passions and, and interests, but to me, MMA is the hardest thing I can think I can, I think I can think of to do. And do you have the background of having the skill in it? We haven't necessarily got into that that much yeah, yet. I guess it, that'd be a good thing to get into now, but you have the background of fighting that kind of led you into it and got you into training for it that Mm. has allowed you to build this really really powerful skill that i think could take you to that having that platform absolutely um so So i I guess how'd you get into fighting in the first place let's get into that a little bit yeah so growing up and and i think this is just a generational thing i think every every generation will will experience it i just think that it evolves as it goes and to be honest i still experience it which is fine you know like i'm not as phased and and I can retort, mm-hmm. but bullying is 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 prominent throughout throughout the ages. I mean, I grew up and I was always just like worried about: Am I going to get hurt? Am I am I in danger? Uh, I don't I don't like how I'm being talked to or being put down by not necessarily strangers, maybe friends. I think it's it happens from anyone. Like mm-hmm. you, can, you can bully anyone unintentionally. Yeah. And even though I consider myself a nice guy, I'm sure that I've bullied over the years. You know, I, I might I might have made someone feel a way they didn't want to feel or communication. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I, I, that's probably my biggest challenge this year. I, 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 I look at communication as sending a message and then it's a how the receiving party feels. So it's very true. That's I, a very important thing that you're hitting on for any kind of relationship yes. is like communication is not only how you're conveying information but there's also the side of how someone else is receiving it and that Mm -hmm. is equally as important if not more important and that's probably my biggest uh speed bump this year it's i'm not bad at communicating but i've i've noticed with different people there's there's been mis uh things have been misconstrued Mm -hmm. and i haven't effectively communicated so that's just something i I need to work on you know some more self-awareness but going back to the bullying thing Man, I was just... Something you dealt with growing up. Yeah. uh, Not so much elementary, but middle school, for Mm -hmm. sure. And even in high school, it got so bad that um, I was wearing rings at school in case I I had to, like, have that one punch. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I was, like, more equipped, right? Yeah. I would walk my my neighborhood, and there was a black Mustang I was scared of. Really? Because there was a group of friends who were bullying me. Wow. And they would drive, and not, I wouldn't see them, but I was always afraid that they would drive up, and all of them just get out of the car and, and attack me. Yeah, you know? kind of crazy. I've gotten pantsed, so like I used to hate kids did that, but I've gotten pants in front of people at lunch in mm-hmm. high school. I've gotten bullied, where like this guy's like, "Hey man, you know, I'm sorry about our differences, this and that." Smacks me and then runs away and laughs at it, like laughs at me from a distance. It's just weird, you know. I've experienced yeah. a lot of different things. Um, kids can be crazy. Kids are cruel. Yeah. So when I have a kid, he's not going to have to worry about that at all. Mm-hmm. And it's not that my dad missed hitting that point. I don't think he did because my dad raised me, a big fighting influence as well. My dad um, would tell us stories. Me and my brother, I was born in Jersey. Uh, my dad's roots are Jersey. So every other summer or every summer, we would drive up there 22 hours. 
And with those car rides, my dad would talk about his fight stories. Okay. And, and at an early age, he was the man. He was mm-hmm. knocking people out. He was, uh, like, they called him Kung Fu, which is you know, <laughs> Conlin, Kung Fu. And he was just... He's just good at fighting. He was known mm-hmm. as the fighter, and it was just cool. So, like, he didn't know he was doing it, but he instilled in me and my brother's brain that fighting is in your blood. Like a fascination with it, kind of. Yeah, fighting is yeah. in your blood. But at the same mm-hmm. time, we still have that fear in the back of our head of, like, the bullies. Yeah. Like, that's always been my fear is getting beat up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll touch on this story really quick. It was eighth grade. <clears throat> oh, man, I was I was such a little shit as a kid, for sure. <laughs> like, I, like, I just, uh, I would surround myself with friends who were also little shits, and... There's this one time we were on the, on the bus. We're on our way home. There's this guy named Eddie. Let me paint you a picture. Eddie was shredded. Nice hair, good skin, good-looking dude, pulled girls, had nice style, and was good at fighting. It was almost like the movie Never Back Down. Um, I haven't seen that one. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Okay. It's an MMA movie, uh, an influencing factor as well. But um, for some reason, me and my friends – would would throw pencils at Eddie in the car or in the in the bus, right? And and that probably wasn't going to end well, right? Of course not. So his cousin invites me. Her name's Kayleen. Uh, these these are the, these are popular kids. I wasn't a popular kid, mm-hmm. at least not in, in uh, middle school. So all the popular kids are hanging out at Red Tops. Red Tops is like a place before it was coined Red Tops. Red Tops became a place that people in my high school and rival high schools would go to and fight. It was like a red basketball court. People would fist fight and go wow. viral there. Like what? It was like the proving grounds. It's cool. It was actually yeah. really cool. But people handle their beefs there, which is not safe because it's concrete. Right? Yeah. Right. Like. Uh, but it's anyways, just the spot. We're there. Yeah, we're there, and all the cool kids. Like there's there's kids lined up, and there's there's a guy uh, jumping a skateboard over them. It's just we're all kids. It's after school. I think it was a Friday. Like we had all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing. 21, first one of 21 in basketball mm-hmm. with uh, this guy named Julian. He randomly asked me to play. I'm like, yeah, I'm playing. So it's just me and him. We're playing. I don't know what's 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 happening in the air. Maybe I'm just not aware of my surroundings. I have those same, you know, little shit friends mm-hmm. who came with me. Um, and I'm just playing basketball, going about my business. I guess I didn't pay attention to, like, my surroundings. I didn't know what the energy was, what, what was about to happen. But Eddie comes out of nowhere. My little nerdy Mikey with glasses and just sticks me five, six, seven times. Jeez. My glasses fall off. Um, I'm just like in shock. I'm like, What's, what, what, what is happening? And I had bumps in the back of my head, like just a bunch of like unwarranted punches. Mind you, this kid's slammed people, knocked them out. This kid's knocked people out. Like he's just known for that. And it could just be, you know, smoke. It could just be rumors to add to his prowess, right? Right. So I like take my glasses, I put them back on. He walks up to me, hey, man, I had to get that out of my system. Are we cool now? Are we good? Dude, so embarrassing. All of the mm-hmm. cool people saw that. Yeah. Like, all of the popular kids of our middle school saw that. Yeah. And me and my, me and my like, me and my friends, you know, the ones that are, uh, what were we called? The midgets? Like, there was, like, a group of older high school kids, and then there was, like, the middle school kids. We were called the midgets just because we were, like, younger, and we were just up to no good at all times. Mm-hmm. So, like, they were like, with me, and... They didn't know how to like comfort me. Like I just, you're, you're the, the biggest soldier of the midgets just got beat up mm-hmm. in front of everyone. So I had to go home and I had to sit with that. I had yeah. to sit with that for years. Um, fast forward, that that's that's easily probably like the biggest form of bullying I've ever experienced. Yeah, that's pretty major. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we I would venture to say most people haven't gone through something that major. No, 
Um, but I, I, you know, life goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, high school happens. Still got bullied in you know my freshman year. Um, all of those things I told you happened. And uh, I, I loved basketball growing up. I played played a little bit in middle school, some recreational, um, you know, off off you know, organizations and stuff. I got kicked off the JV team and then went to wrestling. I don't know how I stumbled upon wrestling, but that's a big part of my fighting. Um, yeah, that's you know, a venture. huge entry point, I would think. Um, I'd probably say that that was like my base. Mm-hmm. So I wrestled for a little bit. I had a new band of brothers who were, you know. The wrestling team. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say wrestling's a great uh, background for self-defense. Uh, sure. It's like, the only one that's like a school kind of sponsored sport that you could get in through. Yeah. Most of them, like you got to kind of do it as an extracurricular so it's cool how life works uh i don't know how i don't know how far i could have taken basketball especially with my work ethic back then my mentality back then um i don't think it translates so i couldn't have taken it very far but it's cool how i stumbled upon wrestling which added to the anti-bullying and self-defense and it built my confidence up a little bit um the bullies were still kind of there just like kind of fading off mm-hmm. the bullies completely nullified my junior year yeah um, i didn't wrestle my junior year but i had a fight video go viral yeah you were cool. telling me a little, a little bit about yeah. this off-air. and that's that's just a lot to handle as a kid mm-hmm. to be honest and viral now is not the same numbers as back then like i didn't need yeah. a million views yeah to be like the man in high school and the man in the county mm-hmm. um so i tore my meniscus my junior year of high school so i wasn't on the wrestling mats um, I ended up coming back for my senior year and then winning my varsity spot. Nice. Um, but my junior year, it's a quick thirty second fight, man. I think I think I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. It's just in and out. Like it's we. It wasn't red tops, which I wish it was, because it would have just added to the prowess. It mm-hmm. probably would have been worse because I slammed the kid. Yeah. Right? But uh, the first exchange, I immediately trip him and I get full mount. So my hips above his hips. Terrible place to be, mm-hmm. and especially in MMA, it's the second worst place to be. So I'm just punching him down, and you just hear, Oof. that's what it sounds like. Just punch, 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 yeah. punch. His friend walks up, hey, get up, puts a foot on me, like, get up, get up, get up. The fight was already over. That <laughs> fight is over. Yeah. So I, I basically beat him twice. This kid was just big, big, big shit talker. It was always like, I'll mess up all the Conlins. I'm going to hurt you, blah, blah, blah. Because he, I think he didn't like how I was talking to, a, like, a friend of his on, mm-hmm. on, on, uh, on Facebook. It was okay. a girl. I think it was a girl named Alexis or something. Are a lot of MMA beefs over a girl? <sighs> dude, I'm <laughs> surprised. My most recent one is over a girl. Yeah. We'll get into that, too. It's freaking yeah. hilarious, dude. <laughs> I, and, and, and the entertainer in me takes that and runs Like, with runs it. with it, yeah. Yeah, I'm not the enemy exactly. here. Yeah. But it just so happens, like, the whole honeys thing mm-hmm. makes me the enemy. Yeah. Because it looks like I'm in her DMs and I'm doing this and that. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm not that. Anyways, um, so we get back up. There's a few exchanges. Um, I throw a head kick. So random. Throw a head kick. He blocks it. And, you know, I'm sw- sorry. I'm swatting down like his incoming punches. He doesn't hit me once. Mm-hmm. And then I just throw a big overhand. Cracks him. He Damn. he like grabs like my body or my legs. And that's and it. it I think it was a, a fireman's carry uh, takedown. But I had it had his head here, and I just reach under, grab his leg, up and over. Not not on his head, on his neck. Cause like. You play with worst case scenarios, that whole thing could have been worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if it was on red tops, that'd be bad too, right? Yeah, yeah. So slam, and then boom, boom, boom. Video cuts out. I immediately, hey man, are you okay? Blah blah blah. That's the nice guy in me. I'm mm-hmm. like, are we good? We're cool now. We're good. Blah blah blah. Yeah. We dip. We go home. 
I'm with two of my best friends, Michael and Eric Shetman, and my brother. Mm-hmm. We go home. It was like in and out, like less than five minutes. All of that happened. We go yeah. back to our, our our house, which is like two minutes up the road, and we're like, "That was awesome! Yeah. Oh, I got the video." Blah blah blah. I eventually posted on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, it got maybe like four or five thousand views. Um, it got taken down six, seven years later. So this is 2011. Oh wow! Yeah, it okay. got taken down. I don't know why. Uh, because there was like World Star back then. People were telling me to submit it to World Star, make yeah. some money back then. Uh, but I took that YouTube video and uploaded it to Facebook. Okay. After that, no more bullies. Mikey's the man. Mikey can fight. Yeah. Like, oh, what Mikey, ye- this and that. Like, it was complete. What year was this that you uploaded? 2011. Yeah, I feel like stuff was, if you put videos on Facebook back then, stuff could go really, really crazy. Like, it could just blow up. I don't remember how many likes. I don't remember the month that I posted it. It would be cool to go back and look. But it's so. To this day, I can post it. Mm-hmm. Someone would be like, this video plays in my head <laughs> over and over. Like, I will never forget this video. Dude, you're the man. Yeah. Like, people still love it 11 mm-hmm. years later. That's great. Like, I can post it tomorrow, and there will be people who go like, oh, I'll never forget this. And it's just, it's ingrained in people. So that video happens. Is that one of the first moments that you kind of feel like, oh, wow, this like this could be a thing. Like, I could go somewhere with I this? I wasn't sure. Not really I yet. wasn't sure. But people were painting the narrative for me. Yeah. Mikey... MMA, Mikey yeah. the Fighter. Mm-hmm. I went so far to create a fighting group out of it. Um, not necessarily like have people fight, but we get together once a week. It was every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, I called it Tampa Fighting Championships, so like Ultimate Fighting Championships, you know, UFC, whatever. Tampa Fighting Championships. Mm-hmm. No, no fights organized, but one week we would do wrestling in the park. The other week we'd do Muay Thai, and then sometimes we'd spar. Just kind of working on different areas. Yeah, and it. I've gotten beat up. I've gotten beat up. Mm-hmm. Like I was the man, but like I fought a guy. A guy. I sparred a guy who had good Muay Thai. He just kept kicking my legs, and, mm-hmm. and I'm just like trying to hit him. And I just yeah. there's there's levels to everything. It's like just a little yeah. bit of Muay Thai training really messed me up, hurt my leg, hurt my calf. You know, yeah. it's cool to think about. But uh, I knew that I had a, a strong interest in it. Mm-hmm. A natural. I was a natural at it. Uh, people are telling you. People are kind of reaffirming that for you as you go, and like yeah, letting so, you know, like it's. You're good at it, and like you're entertaining, and all of these, all feedback. of this fear that I had growing up was kind of pushed to the side every time I'd fight someone. Yeah. So before that fight, you know, I, th- I had a few fights before that uh, as a kid, um, as a teen. Um, I had I had a fight like probably like a month or two before that. This random kid messages me. Mm-hmm. His name's Ryan. He goes, it was on Facebook. He goes, Hey man, you want to fight? And, I'm a, and it was like a, it was a random, no context, no nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, man, yeah, uh, sure, gloves, like something. This yeah. is before the viral video. And w- oddly, this video had like five times, six times as many views. I had like 40,000, 50,000. My math is off. But it had like 50,000 views in comparison to the one that actually like brought me all the attention. Yeah. Because of who I beat up and how I did it. But this kid, he's like, yeah, man, you want to you fight? I'm like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, sure. I thought he just wanted to train or like whatever. And I said, gloves. He goes, no. I'm like, okay. So the Shetmans that I brought up, they lived a few houses down. Um, this guy came over. We went to their backyard. It was like, all right, well, we're going to fight. Yeah. Like, I guess we touch hands, and just immediately I, like, swing, swing, swing. I get him on the fence. There's a fence behind us, like a wooden fence. I pick him up, and I slam him. This wrestling. This mm-hmm. wrestling right away. And then he throws a triangle on me. So that's where you, you have one arm in, one arm out, and his legs are around my neck. Um, if he cut the angle, he could choke me out. Yep. And this, this one honestly was worse than the last one. I pick him up and like almost like a Batista bomb, slam him. Oof. But it 
I slam him so hard that like his back. I don't know what happened. I don't know if there's any injuries, but his back. He just he like turtle positions up. Yeah. And then I get on top and start punching him, and then they yeah. end it. But yeah. that one was way more brutal than the last one. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's the video that really popped. That popped, but not within uh, my high school or the rival high school. Gotcha. Kind the of other side of that. Yeah. But that was just like a. If they click that one, they'll probably see that one too. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like, oh man, Mikey can bang. Yeah, and you've got these couple viral videos, so to speak, like early on. <laughs> it's a on. lot to take in. And I didn't stray from who I was. I was mm-hmm. a nice guy. I wasn't uh, going out to parties and trying to, you know, like, hook up with girls. Yeah. I was always the DD. Mm-hmm. Like, I would, like, let my friends drink and have a good time. I, I did become the popular kid. I became mm-hmm. really popular, actually. Um, sophomore year, I, I don't know how to gauge that popularity, but I won Homecoming Duke, which mm-hmm. is, like, I guess each class had uh, – it was basically a popularity contest within, yeah. within your peer group. But I also had a friend who was, like, DMing everyone, like, hey, vote for Mikey. Hey, vote for Mikey. So that mm-hmm. probably helped, right? But sure. fast forward to my senior year, I think I, I rode the momentum of being a fighter and nice guy. I won Prom King. Wow. Which is probably when I peaked, and now I haven't done anything since. But No, you've continued <laughs> fighting from kidding. there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, no, it's just I had two different experiences in high school. Mm-hmm. And I can absolutely tell you the second, the latter half was better. So it sounds like up to this point, right, you've kind of like you've identified this thing that really helps you feel confident and get past some of those fears that you had as a kid and really help propel you forward through that. And it really like gave you a much better experience in high school than middle school. How does that eventually become? We talked about when your uh, your first organized fight was kind of doing these different fights, getting some like some are really exploding on videos and stuff. How did you decide you were going to do your first organized fight? Before I get into the competition uh, of everything, I'll get into what martial arts specifically is because mm-hmm. the self-defense became like went hand in hand with fighting and then fighting became martial arts. So it goes hand in hand with martial arts, but martial arts is what you do to get good at fighting. Yeah. So I fell in love with uh, being a student and what it does for my life doesn't matter the discipline and you can get this type of euphoria or this type of fulfillment or or sense of belonging mm-hmm. um in any other discipline and honestly in any other thing in life you just yeah. have to find what what makes you feel the most alive and for me that was martial arts i don't like who i am without it and mm-hmm. throughout that eight years of, i've been competing for eight years throughout my amateur career of eight years every time i sh- I, I am without it i don't like where my life goes i don't like who i become and that's mm-hmm. that, that that's a big part of who i when I'm in relationships, I kind of fade as well. And it's never the girl's fault. Mm-hmm. It's just me. It's a, it's a self-assessment. It's me, and I need and I need to figure it out. I think I have. but It's I like just, a, the learning curve of being able to have both of those going on at once, I guess. It's, it's a lot. A, a relationship's a lot of work, right? So to be able to put in the time that it takes for all that work, sometimes other things lack a little bit of the time that you were giving to them before. It's just a learning curve of being able to like do all of that at once. Like I've had that support system that I so badly crave Mm -hmm. um, to chase this dream and to chase my goals. Yeah. But uh, I just haven't been able to maintain it. That's that is what it is. But I don't know where I was going with that. We were talking about, you were kind of explaining where the, the love of martial arts came from for you. And And you wanted to kind of set up like, the competition, the discipline around martial arts before you got to, like, the organized fighting. I'm glad I got to get into that. So that fight happens. I graduate high school in 2012. I go to a Christian college about an hour away from – I grew up in Tampa, Florida. I went to Lakeland for high school, Southeastern University, um, private Christian college. 
uh, I, I seeked out my first MMA gym. Mm -hmm. Googled a few places. Uh, I recommend if you are getting into MMA or jiu-jitsu or any type of martial art, try everything in your area. Mm -hmm. Like literally try every other class, try every other place. It's more than just the quality of training. It's got to be, you have to bond with people there. Yeah. Like people have to make you feel welcome. You have to know, you have to have that, that sense of belonging. It's got to be a place that you can keep going back to and feel good about, right? And you can, you can pretty much find that anywhere, but to the average person, if they walk into a jiu-jitsu gym and they don't feel welcome, they're probably not coming back. Yeah. Because one, jiu-jitsu is I bet it's hard. intimidating too. It is just hard. Yeah. And I bet it's intimidating just walking into something like that and like for sure. getting into it for the first time. For sure. So I started training jiu-jitsu not even very seriously. I, th I consider full-time training like minimum three times a week. Mm -hmm. um, sure. I wasn't doing that. I was probably doing like once or twice yeah. a week um, in college. I was going to this place called Champions MMA. I started doing gi jiu-jitsu and no gi jiu-jitsu, a little bit of striking classes and, and sparring. Um, still very green. Mm -hmm. um, I, I had took these. Uh, I took a bunch of. Uh, how do I say this? I took a bunch of different detours um, to try different passions. Like I did network marketing in 2013. Um, I didn't. I didn't end up finishing college. And then back in 2014, I, I was back in college. And I just realized that it's kind of taken away from what I really want to do. I'm like, mm -hmm. I kind of want to fight. I kind of want to yeah. train and just do this full time. So I committed myself to it. Uh, what did committing yourself to it look like at that time? You still so, have, you haven't done your first organized fight mm -hmm. at this point, but you decide just you're going to train a certain amount. I'll preface it with this is an amateur career. Mm -hmm. um, year eight, I still make amateur mistakes. I just missed weight, you know. So yeah. uh, I don't know how to scale what you should be doing i just know what you shouldn't be doing and i've yeah. done a lot of that mm -hmm. so back then i started you know i started training at this gym called gracie Temple west and it's so cool man it's so cool to see it i'll put emphasis on this i think it's very awesome that i'm still going i still love it and i still want to be a part of it because mm -hmm. i've seen so many talented people quit or let let, let life get in the way get you know a relationship family career which is okay that's everyone's journey but i've just i've been around people who have a higher ceiling than me mm -hmm. or have more potential than me could could take this farther than me and they don't even realize it mm -hmm. clearly and they've they've put the gloves down they, they've stopped training and it blows my mind that i'm still going yeah but in eight years is a long time it is so people can look at on paper oh mikey's five and three in mma not a super impressive record they can look at the the fights spread out in between. You know, maybe he didn't figure out life in time, or maybe he just took a bunch of breaks. I, I look at my years of fighting as the years that I was active. Mm -hmm. So of those eight years, I only fought four of them. There was like another three, four years where I wasn't active. Mm -hmm. so I don't count that as active years. I'm still training. I'm still getting better. But active years are you're in the competition scene. Yeah. So back then, Gracie Tampa West, dude, we had, I'd say killers. This is Tampa. So... <clears throat> There were so many amateur fighters and pro fighters. I was in the Gracie Tampa Network, so a big jiu-jitsu-driven gym. It was just a big shed. It was very hot, probably like less than 10 minutes away from my house. We'd go in there. It would be jiu-jitsu for an hour, no gi, so just shirt or rash guard, shorts. We'd grapple, learn some techniques, and then after that, on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, I believe, were MMA sparring. Mm -hmm. There was like no striking classes. Like I was not getting any better at striking. It was just jiu-jitsu. It was just all I knew. So all of the big fighters, excuse me, all the big fighters in the Gracie Tampa network would come to Gracie Tampa West and spar us. So if I had cameras or, or 
or footage of what the beginning because this is 2014 is the beginning of the career mm-hmm. like the, everything I did before doesn't really count to, to be honest but if you had a live peek of what my training sessions looked like even in jujitsu it was just me getting beat up all the time very humiliating yeah every punch I land I get hit four five six times don't know how to defend everything I can get why people quit so early mm-hmm. it's it's demeaning yeah. And to this day, I, st- I, I get beat up to this day. I get beat up every week. Sure. It's not as bad. I think maybe I'm just used to it. Yeah. I, I, I found a way to in- uh, incorporate sadism and masochism into the, like, <laughs> you ha- kind of have to. Yeah. I yeah, enjoy hurting people. Mm-hmm. I don't mind getting hurt. You, know, you kind of have to. Yeah. Do you think that's what uh, kind of allowed you to get over that curve of just the the really huge hurdle of starting out and just, like, getting your ass handed to you all the time and, like, having to push through that there was no light at the end of the tunnel when i started. yeah like That's if you told me like. hey mikey you're gonna win a fight mikey you're gonna win a belt mm-hmm. mikey you're gonna you're gonna do this or that like if, if you if you laid all of the accomplishments in my mm-hmm. amateur career in front of me like hey, if you just keep going you're gonna get all this yeah i wouldn't have seen it and it's cool that i just didn't quit you're just doing it for the love of the sport and the love of competing i think everyone has a little bit of like I think everyone has greatness in them. Mm-hmm. Unlocking it is hard. Yeah. I still I still don't think I've unlocked it. I think I'm very far away from it. But I know that it's in me and I just there's things that I have to do and there's cons- and there's a bit of consistency I have to implement for me to feel that and to be that. I've I've sh- I think I've shown myself and I've shown others. I've definitely shown others like little spurts of greatness because I see people believe in me and I see how people treat me when I'm not doing the things I should be doing. So if I'm not going to the practices I should be doing, if I'm not running the miles I should be running, if I'm just missing sessions, the people who who believe in me and see what I see in myself are kind of disappointed. Yeah. And, and I've noticed that over the years. Like the people who have high expectations of me see see the potential in me. Yeah. And sometimes I don't even see the potential in me. It's hard to 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 wake up motivated. It's hard to continue to do this sport. It is. It's a very, very Especially hard every day for a long period of time. But I think you have to surround yourself with those people that do see the potential in you and can be a sounding board and also really keep you focused on that end goal. Only reason I'm in Orlando or have stayed in Orlando is because of my MMA team, Fusion Excel. So if if my coach, Julian Williams, wasn't who he was and, and has accomplished what he's accomplished with his coaching career and his athletic career – uh, there's no way I'd still be in Orlando. I would have ventured somewhere else or gone back home to Tampa because for me, Orlando is life on hard mode. I, I am constantly figuring things out. And, I, and that's that's the key word is I figure everything out. So I'm not worried of any obstacle that comes my way because I always beat it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's very hard for me to see the light at the end of the tunnel here. Yeah. This is still going, you know? Yeah. Like, there's just there's a lot of things that I have to, like, figure out. So – Fighting is what's keeping me in Orlando. I told myself I want a minimum of 50 fights. I have nine. Um, professional and amateur career, I want 50 fights total. And I have a minimum of 10 years left in the sport. Kind of leading up to, like, your first organized fight, what was, like, the impetus for, like, you deciding you wanted to do an organized fight? And, like, like uh, I was just, what told you you were ready? I was training consistently. I don't think I'm ever going to be ready. Uh, you can prepare. You can prepare, you know, yourself the best that you can. Um, so I started training at Grace Tampa West. I was there for upcoming 
eight, nine months. I got my blue belt in six months, which is expedited, if you ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, the jiu-jitsu community, that's very fast. Yeah. Um, whether or not I deserved it that fast. You were putting in a lot of training, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, I still couldn't get my mentality, diet, you know, everything right. That's mm-hmm. still a challenge nowadays. Sure. That, that, that's its own challenge. Yeah. But, you know, I was, I was on the mats. I was getting better. Uh, I got my blue belt that summer, summer 2014. Um, and then I remember getting booked to fight. Uh, I think I told my, my coach at the time, Bamboo, that I wanted to fight. And he booked me for a fight within his organization. I think he was launching his own organization. It was Gracie Fight Night. So I think yeah, that was my debut. Um, cut the weight. Uh, like I said, I don't know all the things to do, but I sure as hell know what not to do. Yeah. Here's what you don't do after you successfully make weight. I weighed in. I cut from 203 pounds to 170. I did it. I did it. Um, what does that look like? How do you go about that? For you personally, weight, I'm sure it looks should, a little different for everyone. The weight should slowly fall off as, as you get closer to the fight. Yeah. I think your body kind of primes itself. Mm-hmm. You kind of know what's going on. Um, or about to go on, it feels like life or death. Dude. Like fighting is a big mind fuck. It's yeah. absolutely like one of the like you can have a basketball game, a football game. There's some type of nerve to an extent. Think about being half naked in front of a crowd, like with your with your overall health in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Like it's just all of that's hard to process. It never gets easier. Yeah. But um traditionally fighters are about fifteen pounds or less over their agreed weight class. Mm-hmm. And throughout that week they water cut. Like they, they water load and then they make a weight cut. Um, yeah, it's a really very very unhealthy system. Right, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean it's so. Aren't they putting? Aren't they trying to institute a lot of rules around some of the hacks to doing that in the UFC to try to like cut out some of the the they, unhealthy practices? The best way to refuel would be probably be an IV, and they don't yeah. allow that anymore. Gotcha. Okay. But for instance, one FC and. and uh, I believe it's Japan. It's an Asian uh, MMA organization. It's just as big as the UFC, but in, in Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, just not a lot of people know about it. It's not very mainstream. But they have a different way of weight cutting. So, like, they 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 don't encourage – like, they do hydration testing, mm-hmm. and then they don't encourage you completely sucking yourself out to make weight. Because right. if you look at some of these fighters on the scales, they're just shredded. Yeah. Their faces are pulled like in. Like gaunt. Yeah. yeah because and that's the, last... the dangerous part is the dehydrating, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did mine the wrong way. Like, for instance – um, before I get into the first fight, my last fight, this is uh, August 20th, mm-hmm. but my Muay Thai fight in uh, Tallahassee, I thought that I water loaded correctly. So Monday, or I started Sunday, um, Sunday, two gallons, Monday, gallon and a half, and then proceeding, so ga- gallon, half gallon, half gallon. So half gallon uh, Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. That's my last wa- bit of water, maybe one more meal, and then 24 hours, no, no, no food. So I was getting the weight off, but I was also a little bit heavier mm-hmm. that week than I traditionally am for fight week. Right. And we're we're a few hours away from from weigh-ins. All of my teammates were all at Airbnb. They they made they have cut the weight and they're they're ready to weigh in, and I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. like five six pounds over. Jeez. But I have white lips and I'm spitting up blood. Oh my I'm like, god. I I don't think I'm gonna continue going. Yeah. I feel I feel like death. That is the most that I've ever felt like death. Yeah. But I just think there was something. So because you were just that dehydrated. There's something with my preparation. I didn't yeah. I didn't uh, prepare myself enough. Yeah. Because when you're cutting when you're cutting water weight and you're not allowed to eat, you're suffering. Mm-hmm. You're suffering hard. I did a three day fast one time with a friend Jeez. just to try it, just to like see if we could do it. How was it? 
it was tough, man. It was really tough. Like we purposely kind of decided not to do very much during that. Like we weren't you know, working out or no, not working out like kind of light, just like mostly it was like over a weekend. So we weren't like working as much. We we're like a little bit toned down just with a roommate of mine. So we're mm-hmm. kind of like just taking it easy for a couple of days, but just kind of wanted to try it to see if we could do it. And then we ended up getting invited to this, uh, this WWE fight actually for just like someone gave us a free ticket cause they had extra. So we went and we were just, we were there kind of like watching and, and there, and we were just realized all of a sudden we had no energy. Like you just, I, I've never felt such a feeling of zero energy. Like you like just sluggish, just, just sluggish. Yeah. Like, you almost like don't hear things around you as quickly. Like you, like you just lose a little bit of like your sense. It's it's just crazy. It's it what was are the wild. benefits of a three day fast? The really health wise, I think it's going a little bit overboard. I, I don't know. There's probably like different things. We didn't necessarily approach it from the health directive, but we were just trying to kind of do it as a, a way to challenge ourselves. Like mm. we had done, like we had both done a lot of intermittent fasting before, and. I say going a little overboard with the three because I think this is past where you would need to go to get some of the benefits that I've gotten. The intermittent fasting for me, the biggest benefit is that it gave me the ability to kind of go about my day without being as attached to needing to eat like at certain times in certain ways, that kind of thing. I can kind of like, it's kind of a secondary thing in the back of my mind now, right? Like I can, if I miss breakfast and I don't eat until 12 or even like 2 3 p.m it's not that big of a deal like if i get busy with work or something it's just like okay probably time to eat now like it's it's just like it doesn't rule your life as much when when you get a little bit used to it and you can kind of like sit in that ability to be hungry a little bit and um it just gives you a better kind of like control of it i would say that's the better like the benefit of kind of intermittent fasting for me but the three-day fast, I say, it was going a little bit overboard. It was just kind of like a discipline thing for us. We wanted to see if we could restrict ourselves to that. Um, kind of going back to what we were talking about with the taking a month off of drinking thing, just like having any one thing rule you is, is an uncomfortable thing for me. So I like to challenge myself in that way. And it's just a, a moment of challenge. Would you ever do it again? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Honestly, it was really, really tough. It, it gets like just mentally exhausting, but I don't regret trying it once. It was a, it was a very interesting thing to just challenge myself with. That's a challenge in itself. That's amazing. It's tough. Probably couldn't have done it if I wasn't doing it with a friend. Like we kind of were accountability partners through it, but that's a huge, yeah. that's a huge thing. But yeah, so we were kind of talking before that about like just the process of, you know, cutting weight and everything and like what goes into that. It's terrible. It sounds intense. I wouldn't right? recommend it on anyone. I think that yeah. bodybuilders and, and physique, competitors do it as well mm-hmm. to suck themselves dry with their physique for for their competition the flexing yeah. and, and maybe even lifting I don't, I there's all kinds that. of stuff that goes into that yeah i've heard even like like bodybuilders will have to like they'll like inject like sites like like different parts of their muscles with like the stuff that like makes your your physique blow up a little bit more there's all kinds of so kind of like spongebob just literally anchor arms yeah yeah no it's crazy i mean there's bodybuilders that end up passing away at like 29 30 years old because they just do terrible things to their body that's like self-love to an extreme it's yeah too much too much yeah i mean i i thought about getting into it at one point when i like first 
was maybe like three years into lifting and I was just like, I actually was a personal trainer for a while. I got really into it for a while. And I was thinking about like getting into bodybuilding at one point and I kind of just realized like I did not want to have to do some of the things that you have to do to your body to really like excel in that world. It's intense. It is. Uh, I'll tell you what, I do enjoy lifting. Uh, yeah, I, me I, too. I grew up a fat boy. I really did. Me the too. Majority of my life is I've just been chubby. Mm-hmm. Not 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 the best, most confident body to walk around with. Mm-hmm. So I think weightlifting counters that for me. Yeah, it gives you control over it, right? Yeah, it, so you're it allows you to sculpting the body you want. Yeah, it allows you to kind of like take control of your narrative in that way. And I'm still not where I want to be. Yeah, I don't, and I feel like it's gonna be a forever chase. It so. is. That's the key, right? So That's learning. what keeps you doing it. And I like I like gym culture. I do enjoy yeah. gym culture. Um, I meet people, but I don't like to interrupt people. Yeah. While while working out or lifting. Yeah. Just I mean I'm the same way, you know. And I, you get and locked into your workout. Because like like I said, I've been injured you know all year dealing with uh, an annoying injury, but I've been I go to Crunch and I've been in that like gym culture. You see the same people a lot. You see mm-hmm. you know you uh, you see the trainers, you see the the workers. Like you just you familiarize yourself with people. Uh, who are nece- not necessarily strangers, but you don't know them personally. Yeah. So I'm just always in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't know how. Like, it's not even like a fear of like breaking the ice. I just, I just keep to myself. Mm-hmm. Like I am absolutely an introvert. Like I know I am. I have just had plenty of opportunities to be an extrovert, and I, I enjoy and I like talking to people. But I do love my alone time. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a weird. So you gotta have both. Of course, right? Of course, of course. Of course. So kind of talking about your first fight, how did that first fight go, and what did you learn from doing that, the first organized fight? Terrifying. So, and I'm sure that other, you know, when, when people fight, it goes differently. For me, it was like the ugly, like one of the ugliest fights ever. Really? Not in terms of like, we're going back and forth, we're really beating each other up. It's just like... Just messy. Go. And I'm just throwing the wide, like every punch, I'm trying to hurt him. Yeah. Every punch wide, like... Just not technical, not skillful, just mm-hmm. and yeah. it was enough for nine minutes of fighting to win the fight. I think I won maybe all three rounds, but it was just like I was just trying to crack him and I was hitting him I was yeah. hitting him hard, I was throwing hard, almost no straight punches. It was just you can tell it was my first fight. Not thinking about the fundamentals. No, not at all. I mean yeah. I gotta remember I didn't have any striking. Yeah. So I guess my advantage would have been on the ground with jujitsu, but it only hit the ground like once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a strong group of uh, supporters for the fight, so I like. You're all hyped up. I throw a punch, maybe hit his shoulder, and my crowd would go crazy. Yeah. So it wasn't the most exciting fight. Like, I'm not sorry. How do I say this? It wasn't like. Uh, it was. It was a, a high like I've never felt. But no one's gonna watch the fight and be like, "That kid's the future." Mm-hmm. It seemed to be like what the. But it was enough to excite to you and and give you a good time, a good first experience with it. It sounds like I felt many things in my life different euphoras different you know different achievements there's nothing like winning a fight it is a high that can't be beaten it really can't like yeah. winning a fight is is different i can only imagine you yeah. see it in the eyes of like someone when they win a ufc fight like at the end of it like just the absolute insane excitement that they have but on the other end of that is the extreme opposite mm-hmm. losing is crushing yeah um I've never been finished or I've never been, you know, like knocked out, submitted, but losing is still not easy. Yeah. Uh, I always tell myself that it doesn't define me and anything that I, and, and it propels me to, to the next thing. So yeah. 
I don't let it define me. I let the, what I do after it define me. Yeah. I've come back from some dark places to, to win some meaningful things. So like mm-hmm. I just lost this last fight in August. Yeah. But I have all the ingredients, the mindset, the people, no yes men. I have a great, great circle. I have good people in my corner to propel myself to something great. Like I can like like a like kinda like a bone arrow. I'm pulling myself back a little bit, mm-hmm. but the launch is gonna be spectacular. Like I know that there's something on the horizon and I'm excited for it. Yeah. I don't know when, I don't know where. Maybe I know who. You mentioned having no yes men. How is that? How did you come to the conclusion that you need to keep yes men out of your circle? And, and what did that look like for you? It I sounds like something that you maybe realized at some point. Yeah. I, I don't think I necessarily have, I've, I've kept around yes men. You know, I've, I've won fights. I've had successes in life, um, meaningful achievements. I've had people root for my my successes, and, and maybe those same people root for my losses. You'll never truly know. But what I do know is that I pride myself in the people that I keep around, um, and I'm trying to alternate that every month. So think about it like this, and this is a very, very true statement. You are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So I think about that a lot. I don't spend a lot of time with all five of these people, but there's going to be a five no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I don't evaluate as much as I should, but I like to look at who I reflect or or I like to look at who I emulate because they, they're taking something. When you spend time with someone, you're taking something from them and vice versa. Yeah. Maybe a little mannerism, some energy exchange, some intellectual exchange or something that you get from being in the presence of someone else. Yeah. Um, given that, you know, you're not complete strangers. Right. But it's true. Uh, I constantly look at my five. I like my five. Um, every time that I evaluate, uh, sometimes I question one of them, two of them, but it, I think it's Will just Smith, part of the evaluation, the evaluation process. Will right? Smith said it once. He said, uh, if you're not making someone else's life better, you're wasting your time. So I hope that the value that is being instilled in my life is being reciprocated. Right. And sometimes I feel that I'm, I don't think I'm a bad friend. I think I'm an excellent friend. I think that. I go above and beyond to show support and love to my friends, to my teammates, to my family. And I, I fear that, like, when it's, like, not when it's reciprocated, but when someone outdoes my niceness or, or, I, or I guess maybe I'm just feeling that back and maybe it's just I'm not used to it. Yeah. But when I'm at an angle to where, man, I feel like I just can't give it back. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I, I have a, a base of what I provide as a friend and a good quality. Like, I, like I'm a solid, rock-solid friend. I never have to question myself. And if I do, I fix it, right? Yeah. But if someone goes above and beyond for me, I don't know how to do that back to them. I just feel like I'm at an angle. Like, let's just I feel like it's a little inequitable like at I'm, that point. I'm a, I'm a type of guy that will take a friend out. Like, hey, man, like, let, let, me, let me buy you lunch. Yeah. You know? So when that's, like, reciprocated and given to me, I don't know how to react. Right. Like, hey, you don't have to do that. Like, It just, like, comes natural for you. Like, it's just yeah. it's, you feel like it's something you want to do. Yeah. So, so I guess when the kindness is given to me, I'm not used to it. Hmm. And I don't judge I don't judge friendships based on that, but um, like I said, quality of life. Yeah. Where you're either pouring it into it or you're taking away from it. Yeah. But yes, men. Uh, for instance, if I like the color pink, or uh, my friend's gonna follow exactly what I what I say when I when I change to that color. Like I mean, maybe maybe it's not the best example, but 
what I've noticed in sports is that winning breeds yes men. You, pe- people will want to be around you and be a part of your success and say, hey, I know Mikey. Yeah, any any super famous person, right, you always see like a kind of a posse around them, right? Like they, they've got kind of like a crew and a posse around them. And it, I think there's there's always going to be people kind of trying to attach themselves to success sure. rather than find success for their own. So I for think sure. that's it's important to realize that and and not let that be – your only circle of five, right? If you're talking about that circle of five and you notice that you have people that are kind of trying to attach to your success and even though they might be propping you up and supporting you, they might not be challenging you. And you always want to have people around you that are challenging. And that, and that applies to relationships too. Absolutely. I don't see myself dating someone that doesn't challenge me in, in an aspect of life that doesn't mm-hmm. value me yeah. and in life as well. Yeah. So I don't put myself in enough, in enough positions to meet her but I also, um, I don't even know where I was going with that. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, to finish that thought, maybe I, I don't know where you were going either, but I mean, I think when you, when you are not looking for her, that's when she finds yes. you, right? Yeah. Yes. Which is, which is what I'm being told from people that are, that are in those. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, with my core five, I'll break it down even more. Like, I'll have five that 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 challenge me to be a better fighter. Mm-hmm. Maybe three or four that challenge me financially, mm-hmm. and then there's there's a few that challenge me emotionally and like intellectually. Like, yeah, like I'm I'm constantly trying to read books and 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 listen to podcasts that make me a better person. So when someone's pouring, hey, you should listen to this, or hey, you should read this book, like or or an ex- like an exchange of of thoughts and and ideas. Um, I've got a question for you. Yes. This might be a question I start asking more often. It just kind of like popped into my mind. What has been the most persistent thing that has been on your mind that you would like to improve about yourself, whether it be something in your career and your personal life? That's a good question. Um, I could, Probably a tough question. You can think on it a little bit. Yeah, but like the first thing that I, I think of is just how I communicate. Yeah, you, you did mention that I earlier. I don't think I'm bad at it. But it's something that you actively want to improve on. But until the messages are being received by a, a greater amount of people, mm-hmm. then I'm not I'm not eloquent at it yet. So I'll ever be. I think it's a process. It is. It, communication Forever. is always a process because it, yeah. it does vary to every person. Mm-hmm. I can communicate with eight out of ten people, but I still have those two people that I don't. Yeah, and that may be good. You're for You're trying some. to figure out how to bridge that gap. I want I want nine. Nine out of ten, ten out of ten. Why do you think communication is the thing for you? Because I just feel that it's a key that'll unlock a lot of different doors for me, and help a lot of other different people. Yeah. So if I'm communicating on all fronts with every single person I come in contact with, I'm not only making sure that I'm best prepared in my life, I'm helping other people be prepared too. And I think about this all the time, dude. If I'm not my best me then I'm, I'm robbing other people of having their best life because I think I'm good for people's lives. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if you let me into a certain proximity, if, if I have a certain amount of care and love and support for you, I think I absolutely make your life better and I can help you achieve the goals that you want and I, and I can support you 100% of the way. But if I'm not my best me, then maybe a small percentage of me is taken away from what could have been. Yeah. For me and for You lose best. a little bit of that ability to provide that if you're not your best self. Like, how am I going to be a good parent if I'm not my best me? How am I going to be yeah. a good husband? Exactly. So there's a lot of and, – and, and maybe I reach one, uh, maybe I reach a status to where I'm proud of where I'm at, but 
I think when I get there, I, I definitely want to keep going. I definitely want to keep going and growing and, and, and learning. I think this is so important in any aspect of your life, whether it be your career, your personal life, relationships, whatever it be, is that you always have the mentality of you're never there. You're, you're always going to be trying to get to a better place, and you should always be trying to get to a better place. You're, you've never arrived. You're always improving. It's all about the journey. Yeah, exactly. In terms of there's no destination. Mm -hmm. it's, it's learning to enjoy every single part of it. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say, uh, you know what? And this is something I've thought about as well. When it comes to dating, I think that I place uh, an expectation or a bit of pressure on my significant other. And, and I, don't, I don't know if I'm doing it on purpose or if they're just wanting to become that, what they think I want out of them or who I think I want them to be when, I, when we're together. So they'll start to do different things, which is you, you change in a relationship. You change yeah. all the time with or without a relationship. You're, you're constantly changing. But I think that they mold to a lot of the things that I like, which is cool. Kind of a yes man, yes girl, you know, trait. I don't know if it applies to all girls, but I'll just notice that just experiences you've they'll got. start to mold into what they think I want them to be. But I just want them to be themselves. Um, I had another thought. Don't know. Don't know where I was going to go with it. But I think that I do place uh, um, an expectation or pressure. But I'll, I'll tell you what, the more time that goes on, like I'm in no rush to get into a relationship, but there will be a, a certain set of uh, not even guidelines, but, you know, this is what I'm doing. I hope you're doing the same. Like I'm constantly working on myself. I'm constantly trying to grow. Mm -hmm. If you're not, then I can't. Like, like if we're both going up here and you stop, like just like what I, like I, I broke down earlier, then I'm not going to – I'll have my hand out to help you, yeah. but I'm not going to wait. Yeah. I mean, if you're not – if you're not kind of getting that same sentiment from the – like, it, it'd be hard to relate to someone if they're not relating to you on that level, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just – there's a fundamental kind of lack of relation in that case. There's a lot of plug and play when it comes to relationships. There what do you mean by that? In terms of – I mean – I think it all starts with attraction. You have to be attracted to that person mm -hmm. physically. I think that's a very, very important need. I don't think it's shallow at all. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a biological thing that is there. It yes. Is, it's because a thing that's there. it's not that I wouldn't give the time of day to someone I'm not physically attracted to. Because there could my perfect match could be someone that I'm not even like physically attracted to. Mm -hmm. But to have that window of finding that out, like finding out if that's my person, it's not like I wouldn't entertain it. Yeah. And I just think that that's, that's just how we work. Yeah. But at the same time, if we get past the physical, like the, the, the outer, there has to be some type of, of intellectual click. Yep. And I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure if you've loved, you've loved before you've had yep. relationships. I've got a girlfriend right now. And yeah. So like, there's a special like puppy stage, like puppy dog stage. And then there's the like, honeymoon stage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's an amazing experience. And then there's like, at a point, it becomes a choice. Mm -hmm. You kind of choose that person, and then you choose to do life with that person. Mm -hmm. So both feelings are incredible. You have to work towards that because I think I've I think I've started relationships based on the wrong based on the wrong uh, motive motives. Not Would you say maybe like kind of falling for the idea of something versus the actual thing? I've seen futures with with the people that I've yeah. dated, but. Um, I think that I wasn't ready. It wasn't my best self, mm -hmm. which showed. I think I, I I fumble, not fumble, but I think I just fall off every time. Like I yeah. like, I, like I've pinpointed, but 
Um, I'm not too worried about it moving forward. To be yeah. Honest. But uh, no, 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 yes, man. I, I, I have people in my life that are not hesitant to check me, mm-hmm. and they do it often. So, not only am I hard on myself, no one would be harder on me than than myself. But to hear, Mike, you're doing the wrong things. To hear, where have you been? Like, what are you doing? Like, to have that in my ear is nice. Yeah. As opposed to like, it's always going to drive you to be better. Yes, it's going to help with that. Of course, and and with this most recent loss, it's cool to have. It, it's cool to see who is still pouring into me and still investing in me, like yeah. still supporting me, because because it's hard for me to even get that that motivation and that drive. It's it's yeah, it has to be like a very difficult hurdle to get over after a loss. But it seems like you're in the right space. I mean, it wasn't terrible. Recent, you said it was in August, right? August twenty. Yeah, yeah. and it's out. It, we're only in October now. It seems like you're mm-hmm. really pretty focused and laser directed towards the next thing. I'll tell you what, though. Um, what I've noticed with this last fight um, it was fun. It went well. Uh, no one was hurt. I had my moments. I hit him hard. He hit me hard. Mm-hmm. I gassed. I got hurt. Or, I got, no, I got hurt. Sorry. I uh, hit me some good stuff. Um, but what I've noticed is that if my life is not in order, it spills into my athletic career or my yeah. athletic adventures. So in a sport full of variables, in a sport that is just so crazy and wild and and anything can really happen type of thing, to not have my life sorted out, it I, I like to think everything you, you I, th- I like to think that everything in your life comes with you into that competition, into that fight. Mm-hmm. So there are some things that I didn't sort out in my life that were following me into the fight. So I guess demons mm-hmm. and it, it it could have rid it could have ridded me of how I could have performed. Yeah, I mean, so we'll never the focus know. we'll never know. It sounds like the focus now for the next fight is kind of getting those things in order in your I life. Want, I want to I want everything to click. Yeah, I'm in no rush to fight, which is funny because I'm going back and forth with this local guy. You told me about this. Girl, yeah. Do you want to get into that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll start off by saying I like the kid. Mm-hmm. I think he's funny. I think he's a good fighter. I just don't think he can beat me. Not even close. <laughs> and I think that. Instagram is our stage. Our mm-hmm. trash talking is is our, our it. The trash talking are our scripts, mm-hmm. and I'm very good at it. And I feel like a bully, to be <laughs> honest. But it's been back and forth. You know, I pulled out of my January fight. Uh, this kid's name is Jonathan. So pulled out of my January fight because of this finger. Still dealing, still dealing with it. He takes the fight, wins the fight. Wins an interim belt because I was champ. I'm not champ anymore. Mm-hmm. And then he calls me out on the mic, which I think is funny. Oh, Mike is a rap motherfucker. I'll see you when I see you. I'm like, cool. I <laughs> responded to it. Yeah. Posted about him. I love. I love the uh, the drama, and people are invested. Mm-hmm. I think that it'll sell. Uh, I don't know when. I don't know how or where. Uh, I'm personally not rushing into a fight. Yeah. Um, but you're in the talks for it could happen. For sure. He's a four, he's 145 pounds and 155. So, okay. one, we're not even the same weight class. He would have to come up to me. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think it's a, cl- it's a good matchup for him. I don't know. I don't see what he sees in his skills that apply to mine okay. to where he can beat me. I know where he's most dangerous, and mm-hmm. I'm excellent there. There you go. <laughs> to be honest. It, 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 I think that me, my best me, mm-hmm. everything in life clicking, my training's going well, my mentality's going well. I don't think it's very close. I, I can I can I can toy with him. I think that 
I can make it a three-round fight to where he feels everything mm-hmm. and regrets being in there with me. Or I can put him out and get him out of there really quick. Both are statements. One's more severe than the other. Does any part of you worry that – I'm going to ask a tough question here. Does any part of you worry that if you are that confident about it, he's a, a lower weight class, he would have to come up for it, and, and it might not even be that challenging for you? Is that the best fight to take? Or should you take one that's more challenging? Every fight I've had was hard. Yeah. <laughs> Every fight I had was hard. Um, I would consider him still a hard fight. Like I yeah. said, he's a good fighter. Yeah. He's got four or five wins. And you said he had a yeah, he's got two he belts, a belt. too. Yeah. So like, he's two won. Belts, okay. he, he's got his formula, and he's got it in a short time. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it he is, hasn't, he hasn't right fought now. me. He hasn't fought me. Yeah. And I'm not anything special. I'm not. Um, I don't know what people look at when they sign to fight me. I, I don't or sign <laughs> when they when they agree to fight me. I don't know what they analyze. I don't know what they study. I have plenty of fights out there. I have plenty of content. I put out plenty of content. If I had to study myself and I see, a, oh man, this, Mikey can strike. Mm-hmm. Mikey can wrestle. Mikey has great jujitsu. Mikey has a good clinch. I don't. I, I I do have holes. I know what my holes are. But if you just see that I'm good at everything. Mm-hmm. You, how are you going to figure out what my hole is? Yeah. And how are you going to plug and play your skill set to beat mine? Because I, I pride myself on a very well-rounded skill set. I do multiple mar- I do multiple disciplines. Um, I'm trying to become very, very well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm training to have a style that applies to anyone that's standing across from me. So one day notice, I get a new fighter. I want, I want to be able to more than just plug and play our skills. Like I want to be able to just beat that guy, no matter who it is. Yeah. So that's what I'm eventually working for. And I've watched his fights. Same same applies for him. You know, I've done my homework, vice versa. Every fight you should do your homework. I just don't I, – I, I see the plug and play, and I try to break it down. I just don't see something threatening me, there how go. he thinks he can. Sounds like you should do it. I know. The whole – dude, not the whole world. But What's the, holding you back? Life. Life. You want to get everything in order before you do it. The last time I, my life wasn't sorted out, um, I took it into the fight. So yeah. there's no excuses there. The yeah. guy beat me two out of three rounds. So you had one at least. May, yeah. Maybe if life was sorted out, I could have had yeah. a, another, uh, like a better, a better round. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe showcased a little bit more. But sure. it is what it is. Like a guy that I fought was really good. Yeah, he had a ton of fights. You know, a lot of experience, and it was my first time trying out Muay Thai. Something I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So. Um, just something off the off the uh, to do list, but yeah, I'm gonna get that kid. I yeah, am. I am, and 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 there's no such thing as overconfident. Do you think you have an idea of the things you need to see in yourself to show you that you're ready for it, or do you think you'll? Do you think that's something that you'll just like? It's a feeling you'll have when you get there. Does that make sense? I I think that I'll know. You think you'll know? I definitely will know. Um, I'm not rushing it. Uh, my goal before he called me out last Monday again, then again during the hurricane, I did National Sons Day and I like took a picture of my cat and then I put a picture up of him. <laughs> so like I, I guess I kind of like we I stoked the fire a little for bit for sure. We, we've been doing it all year, but I was like Happy National Sons Day. Here's my my firstborn and then my bastard son. Like just <laughs> people people love that I call him my son. It's so funny. That is funny, yeah. Um, <laughs> but. That like I, I told myself last Monday, I'm like I'm just gonna stay consistent with training. I'm gonna get my weight down, and I want my coach and I want the promoter to be like, "Hey, we've seen you've been putting in the work. Like, are you ready to fight now?" Yeah, I wanted that question to be asked. I didn't want to just like ask for a fight, which is what I did right. in the last fight. Like, hey, I want to hmm. 
I want to I want to try a Muay Thai fight. Oh, here's your opponent. You want the people around you that are watching for you to be ready to hey, see it in you ready. and say, "Yeah, you're ready." We think physically you're ready, mentally you're ready, like let's get you going. Okay. So, I'm in like That makes a, a lot of sense. I'm in no rush. And my coach, Julian Williams, he's like I want you to smash one or two more amateurs and then we'll turn you pro. Yeah. Um mind you, you know, I, I train with pros all the time. So I one or two of, more or two or three more? One or two more. One or two more. But I so you're pretty close. I constantly gauge where I'm at. Like I'm training with pros all the time. So I know I have an I I, I have an idea where I'm at. What are the uh like the markers of being pro in this sport? What is it what does it take to be called pro? Is it is it like a classification by a certain organization pro, pro. so when i turn pro mm-hmm. i have a brand new record zero and zero gotcha okay the, the rules change the fight's a little bit longer mm-hmm. you have more weapons your knees and elbows to the face is no, it a no thing no that you there. can is it a thing that you just kind of declare when you feel like you're ready or is it like you have to be recognized by someone in a certain organization no i don't i don't i don't think you need that because there's a lot of people that turn pro that shouldn't Gotcha. So I think the minimum in Florida is five fights, and then you're legally like able to turn pro. Get so pro you legally could do it contract. now, but you you want to enter the space ready. There's, not, there's no you don't way. want to jump the gun. There's no way I turn pro without my my coach's blessing. Right. Why? I'm defying him. And he he's seeing you all the time when you're training. He <laughs> knows he knows your holes. He knows. Whether you're ready or not, Julian. Julian's special, man. It's it's funny. Like he like he's like a big reason why I stay in Orlando. But when I first met him, um, one he made a highlight off me. It was funny. He did like a robot, and then threw a low kick and like swept me on my butt. It was yeah. First day I ever met him was funny. And then when I start training under him, and I moved to Orlando, I had a girl bring me out here, an ex bring me out to Orlando, lived with her, and he told me he's like man you don't even know how to jab just like the most basic punches you don't even know how to jab like you're the worst amateur i've ever seen in my <laughs> life he's like i don't know how you want to fight mm-hmm. that's what he said to me <laughs> and this is like caught your attention i mean yeah, it did uh but going from tampa to orlando i thought i was well-rounded mm-hmm. i thought i had a good skill set i thought that uh, i was dangerous i already had a championship belt i had a good i didn't have not a, not a bad record but i was like I have three wins, three losses going into being his student, mm-hmm. and like I've been, I've been around. Yeah, I didn't think I was that bad. Yeah, and there he is, like you're just one of the worst. He just immediately was uh, able to identify these yeah. things that you didn't so even I know were holes. An early stage, he kind of planted in my brain that as an, I don't care about people's approval for the most part, but I care about his. Yeah, maybe some of my like close peers who have what I want in life, because I've always told myself this, and I tell other people this. Don't take advice from people who don't have what you want in life. My coach has what I want in life. My teammates have what I want in life. Success, coaching, success, uh, fighting career. My coach has both. Mm-hmm. He's a 12 and one pro. Wow. He should have been in the UFC. For some reason, they just didn't sign him. I think they liked him better as a coach. Yeah. Which, because if you know. Well, maybe he had the uh, the technical expertise, but not necessarily the marketability that Oh yeah, he, 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 yeah, dude. I'll tell you what. No, yeah. Uh, he doesn't care about socials. He doesn't care yeah. about promoting himself. He just fights. Yeah, and he's excellent at it. Like I think that's that, what she needed a coach more than anything. Yeah, like he's coached some high level people. Have you ever yeah. heard of Leo Machida? I don't think so. No, no. it's no. Just, it's just cool to see the full circle of like the MMA world, and there's just like big names on the mats training under my coach. So Twelve and one pro doesn't really care about the marketing, but it sounds like he's just tuned into the actual fighting like the really he just gets it. he gets it and he's sounds like 
I mean, you you came in, you started training under him. He immediately identified things you didn't even know were wrong with your craft, right? I still have things wrong with my craft. You still have things wrong with your craft, and he's probably going to always kind of push you towards being better. When it comes to coaching, I've seen many great coaches in the sport from afar. So I've seen just a lot of success with coaching the coaching uh, aspect of the student. That's an important relationship as well. But the biggest thing for me is with with Julian, he teaches something and then he does it to us and we can't stop him. Right. So like he'll physically show us something and then we can't stop. He just turned 40. Like it's not just ago. theoretical when you hear it. He's and, actually and, showing you that he can And do I've it seen him and backing it up. Do whatever he wants cuz like everyone gets it. Mhm. When you're with, when you're going with Julian, the second it hits the ground, you're, you're, you're done. done. Yeah. No, you just don't get up. Like I'll show you a video later. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like he just they call it gluing it to the mat, gluing someone to the mat. So mm-hmm. you just don't get back up. You just don't get a position again. He just beats you up. Yeah. Just relentless. Mm-hmm. So think of Khabib, but yeah, a jiu-jitsu black belt. Yeah. And he, I've seen him flatten out black belts. UFC fighters, high le- highest level fighters, heavyweights, like just it doesn't matter. Like this man has has completely emancipated multiple people, including yeah. myself. I've been on like you can't go around with him without feeling it. Yeah. On top of that, he's a great striker. <laughs> there you go. So just having and then the cage he's wrestling, got the full the picture. On, he's got everything. Yeah. So to see the success and the ongoing success, for instance, he's in Vegas right now. Mm-hmm. One of his homegrown students, one of my good training partners, one of my good pals, Lucas Alexander is having his UFC debut this weekend on a week notice. Wow. With the guy, we all know the guy's next level. Yeah. So they flew out week notice. They're both out there right now. And the amount of homegrown people he's taken to the highest level, to the UFC, he's gotten a lot of people there. Yeah. Um, not everybody has that same trajectory or that same path or is willing to put in the work and take the sacrifices it makes to get there. Mm-hmm. But the ingredients to succeed are there. Yeah. Fusion Excel. In, in Ocoee, Florida, mm-hmm. I have 110% faith. Like, this is where I want to start and end my career. Yeah. That's why I choose to stay in Orlando. That's Unless awesome. something goes crazy wrong, mm-hmm. you know, then then I have to move. Or I but you've seen, you've seen him take people there. He's continuing to take people there, and he has the record behind him. Yeah, and he has the culture. He knows how to It's a culture of excellence, to yeah. be honest. I've been there for three years, and I've seen so many – like, it's very rare when we lose. Yeah, and when we lose, he takes it out on us. That practice, the, that that next Monday morning practice is always hard. Yeah, he like tries to break us, and he shit talks us while he does it. <laughs> He's a special dude, man. I'm telling you. But so, kind of going back to my question, I had I had kind of asked like about what it means to go pro and everything. That's the biggest thing for you is if you don't have his blessing, you have no business doing it. No. And this is your your bottom. This is your guy. You know he's going to get you there. And for him to actually give you the blessing, that's yeah. it. So it's it's exciting then probably to hear that he feels like you're a couple away, potentially. But he doesn't get that. Like, my last two MMA fights are studs. Mm-hmm. Like at the times that I fought them, four and zero, oh, four finishes. Corey Taylor, four and two, two finishes, three finishes. Owen oh, Binding, wow. and both of them are still winning after we fought. Yeah. So Corey is like six and one now, and wow. Owen's like six and two, seven and two, seven and three or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So these guys are good. Yeah. And those were my two hardest fights, and I beat them both. Wow. He is, he is like you're not you're not out here finishing these amateurs. You're an amateur. Mm-hmm. He tells me. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> uh, the dude. He's always gonna hold like, you to that higher you, standard. You to me, 
how I carry myself, how I think. I think I'm a pro. I just don't think I do all the things to be a pro. Yeah. So like skill wise, I'm a pro. I think I'm a pro. This but am this I leads dedicated perfectly. To that life? This leads perfectly actually into, and I'm going to go a little out of order with how I usually do the podcast here, but you're setting it up perfectly. One of my kind of repeating questions that I ask on every interview is because the, the show is called Profession Session, right? Mm-hmm. So I ask, what does it mean to you personally to be a professional? I think it's an all-out commitment. And during my amateur career, I've gotten by without doing that. Yeah. I've found ways to win, and I've won when I didn't deserve it. So I know, and I and I feel like I've always known, and not necessarily am I feeling the pressure of, of father time or time clock. <clears throat> I am af- I am more than afraid of what I can do in this sport if I commit myself, and I just never have, and I don't know why, and I can't figure it out. You're tr- so you're trying to figure out what it is that's holding you back. Like skill wise, I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a pro, I'm a pro MMA fighter. Skill wise, yeah. Mentality too. And I have great work ethic. But there's things that aren't clicking to to for me to be there. Because if mm-hmm. I, if I was if I was putting people out how I know that I can, how I should be, yeah, then I would have been a pro by now. Julian wouldn't second guess that I'm an amateur. Mm-hmm. This is a different, completely different um, world where I'm I'm everything I I think I can be. So it all circles back to me getting in my own way in various ways. Injury ridden or or just making poor decisions that don't contribute to the overall picture of me wanting to be a professional athlete. Yeah. Um, but what it means to be a professional is to to master said profession or craft. To to there's no reason to do anything or to pick up something if you don't want to be the best at it. And I've always looked at the highest level of my sport. I mean, del- delusional to think that I can beat them at this moment. But the goal is to climb that ladder and to give myself the opportunity to, yeah, to try. Because I think of my, I think I think about this constantly. If I don't chase this MMA dream, if I don't chase my dreams in general, how am I going? How am I going to set an example for my kids? How, how am I going to tell yeah. them you can be whatever you want in life? And Dad wasn't even everything he wanted to be. In yeah, life. I feel like I would be robbing them of something. I'd be robbing them of that confidence of that of the of seeing their dad do what they want and provide for them at the same time. Like when it comes to dating and, and, and growing as a man, like I don't I, I want kids. I so badly want to be a dad. I so badly want to want to give my mom grandchildren, but I'm not there. Yeah. I'm not that man yet. Yeah. I'm striving to be. And it's as long as long as I know I'm on the way, I'm okay with that. Yeah. No matter what the pace is. I love that. That's awesome. So. You're gonna get you know you're gonna get there eventually. You're not in any hurry or rush. You're gonna get there the right way. For instance, uh, my twenty twenty fight with Corey Taylor, I brought him up a few times now. Amazing dude. Amazing, amazing dude. <clears throat> Lockdown, I was two hundred and thirteen pounds in a relationship, spiraling. Yeah. My morning my lockdown routine looked like waking up, drinking an energy drink or making coffee, call of duty. Or a video game. Yeah. Or while my girlfriend at the time was working mm-hmm. or working out. Yeah. And I was just gaining weight, eating whatever I wanted, yeah. food stamps to eat, like microwave pizzas and like all this stuff, just the yeah. worst type of foods. I just, in my head, it was like, um, I'm, I might, like, I was thinking apocalyptic, but, you know, maybe the world's going to take a turn and I'm not going to be able to enjoy all this food ever again. But in the back of my head, I also knew 
at some point, Mikey, you're going to have to get your shit together and you're mm-hmm. going to pick up this MMA career. Yeah. This is a, this is a two-year layoff. I was still at Fusion. Mm-hmm. Two-year layoff. Um, but I haven't fought since I lived in Tampa. And I was on a two-fight lose streak. So to go from 213... A lot of big, tough things going on at once. Mm-hmm. And then the breakup happened. Yeah. Which is not the fuel to why... Uh, I, I, I lost all this weight and took that fight. But it's just all part of the story. Yeah. Um, I, I went from 213 to 155. And I took that fight, two-year layoff. Huge difference. Two-year layoff, two-fight lose streak to fight a guy who was a 4-0 stud finishing everybody. Terrifying fight. That, yeah. nobody, that nobody wanted Yeah. in my weight class, to be honest. That's what yeah. I heard. No one took it. And it's funny because, like, Lucas, the guy that's fighting in the UFC this weekend. Mm-hmm. And this is, what, this is the, the status, or this is where I'm trying to get to again, right? be on the mats and train all the time and dedicate myself to the sport because it's hard to balance everything else if I'm not training. Everything else is hard to balance. So I was on the mats. I was training a bunch. I lost all that weight. Combat night um, posted, we need a, we need someone for December 19th, uh, possible, possibly a title fight depending on who it is for a 4-0 guy. Message me if you're interested. I, I saw it. I didn't mm-hmm. comment on it. I was like, Still training. I knew I wanted to fight eventually. Lucas tags me. <laughs> I'm like, damn. Uh, oh my I, com- God. I comment on it and I go, I'm, I definitely don't deserve it, mm-hmm. but I'm always down to throw them things. Like, I'm always down. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being that guy. Super hard fight. Breaks my arm. Super close fight. I win the fight. Yeah. Yeah. So. How did that feel when you won? Um, Against pretty much all odds, it sounds like. I... I did so much mental work that that fight camp. Not yeah. only was I putting in the time, there was a there was uh, in my notes I would write down or I would type in every hour that I trained. So at the end of this fight camp, I had all of these hours, hundred mm-hmm. like a, over a hundred hours. So any self doubt that I had, I was like, man, I I deserve. You this. did the work. Yeah, and then yeah. I would write to myself. I'd write little notes to myself and I'd scroll and read them. And I also had a big board where I would write things down. So like, born a champion, all I see is gold, win. I'll just write things down and like I'd wake up and look to it. I have a board. I'll have Mm -hmm. to text it to you. And it's cool that I was talking nice to myself. So there's this crazy feeling. You're sitting in the back. You're about to walk out. Mm -hmm. All these thoughts are in your head. Whether you're going to get hurt, whether you're going to do the hurting. People come back to the locker room all fucked up. You know, like it's just just a weird, cold place to be. It Mm -hmm. is. Especially, and I was main event that night. So I just had to like, I had two other teammates fighting, but they were in the other corner. Yeah. Weirdly. They were in a different, you know, they were in a different locker room. So it was just me by myself. Yeah. My coaches eventually came. They cornered me. Um, I did so much, my, like, mental work to, to strengthen my, my mind. Uh, when I walked out there, I didn't, f- in my last two, three fights, actually, so my last three fights with Fusion, I walked out there with zero nerves, which is uncommon. But it's how I talk to myself and then how I, I kind of downplay what fighting is. Because like I told you, it feels like life or death. Yeah. You have your date. And I try to I try to get ahead of it. Like like if my date is December 19th, December 20th, I give myself something to do. We're going to brunch. We're going to, going to a dinner or whatever. Yeah. I try to make it in my own head that there's life after it. Mm-hmm. So my last... So it doesn't th- feel like life or death. Yeah. So I'm walking out there and I don't feel anything. Usually it's like the... And then you're just, and you're trying to hide it. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm just walking out. I'm like, oh wow, okay. Oh, I'm in the cage now. Bing. I'm like, oh, we're going. 
but I try not to like because it's the worst feeling in the world, dude. Yeah, I don't know what anxiety feels like, but if there's, uh, the closest I felt it has to be that. Yeah. So my first, my first six fights, just terror. Mikey, you're walking out. Oh, we're going, and then my song plays, and you just you're in a state of like fear. So that walk is hard. I can imagine from the locker room to the cage, very very hard. Yeah. They call it the walk. It is. It's mm-hmm. just it, that's what it is. It's just, yeah. We all have natural stage fright. Being in front of people is terrifying. Especially it's amplified stakes like that. Yes. Yeah. So I've got ahead of my own mind um, the last few fights, and that just took a lot of work. Yeah. And I want to kind of try to build on that. And Sounds like a huge differentiator. I couldn't do that this last fight camp. Yeah. Well, my life wasn't. Okay. Yeah, you you said you had other things kind of affecting it in your personal life. Being pulled a lot of different ways. Yeah. A lot of demons to figure out. I'm not in a terrible place. Yeah. But there's still things but that. But you didn't have everything there like you did before. I haven't yeah. maximized my life. Yeah. Yet. Uh, and, and it's a, it's an ongoing process. Well, it sounds like you know what you need to be doing. It's just a matter of kind of executing and putting all those pieces in place for the next couple. And these are kind of the pivotal ones, too, it sounds like. If you yeah. get these ones right, then you're going pro. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited that, to watch it. Thank you, man. Uh, I hope to make a fan out of you. Uh, anything that I do outside of fighting is to fund and supplement fighting. Mm-hmm. So I've had multiple jobs throughout the year. I, I, I have throughout the years. I would consider myself a hospitality professional. So I've worked in pretty much every position there is to work in in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I've worked bars, hotels, you know. Um, fast food, like not fast food, sorry. Uh, fast casual, like I've worked a lot of different uh, ways, and I would consider myself a, a, a hospitality professional. But it's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. It's I, a means to getting you to what you. Really if want all to I do. had to do was wake up every morning and train, not have to worry about money, that would like if I got paid to train, that's a dream yeah. come true. That's hard to do though. That's kind of the place you get to eventually in the UFC, right? Yeah. To an extent, I mean, you're you get kind of locked into a contract, so to speak, with a fight, and then mm-hmm. that's kind of funding the, your, your training, right? Yeah, um, it would be it, w- it would be nice to reach that. That's just such yeah. a, a long thing and a long a, a long thing to try to achieve. Yeah. So that that's but what for I, now you've got you got to supplement that income and fund the the career that you really want to make for yourself. It's a big sacrifice. Yeah. To do that, like. If MMA wasn't in my life, I think I can succeed in anything that I choose to do. Mm-hmm. But trying to succeed in all those things as well as MMA, it's hard to not spread yourself thin. Yeah. So I'm trying to make it go hand in hand. I'm trying to have a one and two. MMA, and then my number two, can can it's I can make it anything. I have so many different passions and interests that what I've noticed is that anything that I put my time into, I find success in. So it's just... It's just, just where where I decide to put my attention. Yeah. So now is it's cr- MMA. Is yeah MMA, but uh, I guess my secondary would be like NFTs, and cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit because that's kind of like the other big thing that's kind of come onto the scene for you the past couple months. How did you? So brand new to me. Yeah. What what are um, without getting like too out of your depth with it, I guess what are like the top three takeaways that you've had just getting into the space. It's the wild, wild west. I've lost crypto by clicking the wrong links and having my money extracted from my wallet. Mm-hmm. Self-inflicted. Can't, can't even be mad at who did it. I don't even know how to pin who did it. I don't yeah. know who did it, to be honest. So I guess that's one. It's just, it's just a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other end of that, so one, one A, 
this would be like attachment to that is there's some amazing people on that and in that space and the majority of that space happens to be on twitter but there's just it's another way to bring community and 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 and, and there's a lot of passion and interest within within the space so it's easy to to bond with people yeah it seems number two would be it's a way of taking control of your finances in a way. So it's it cuts out the banks. Mm-hmm. And NFTs specifically are kind of like keys to doors and, and, and opportunities. And it's basically a membership card. So if an NFT community has a thousand uh, pieces of artwork, uh, you can own as many as you'd like, I'm sure. But each person in that community, like it, it brings people together. Mm-hmm. And let's just say a certain NFT community uh, rewards you for being a holder. Like maybe they'll pay you or give you uh, merchandise. Like there's all these different perks. It's not yeah. just screenshotting something. Like like you have to have uh, a wallet. You have to have proof of ownership. Yeah, you can trace it back to the original yeah, ownership yeah. and everything. Like people people dumb it down to like, oh, why would I buy an NFT? I could just screenshot it. I'm like you can mm-hmm. do absolutely nothing with that screenshot. Yeah, like it's not going to do. It's about anything. the actual intangibles that it. Like comes you can't with. sell that screenshot. Yeah. So. And then I guess the third thing would be uh, the long-term utility. Uh, I'm still educating myself, and I'm still learning. I'm very brand new to the space, mm-hmm. uh, but I see the longevity in it. I yeah. see that I see that it can be here five, ten, fifteen years from now, and it feels like a passing of the torch. But I'm very early on it. Yeah, and it it is the bear market. Like crypto, crypto's taking a big da- big dive. But that's the economy in general. Mm-hmm. So all cryptos are kind of struggling, but. I think the stocks are kind of going the same way. Yeah, yeah. The the whole market right now is kind of down. I feel like yeah. we're like kind of in a recession right now or like bordering on one. So it's kind of just the the biggest thing I would say about that is it's kind of just understanding that's the place that we're in and not not like getting upset or anything by it, but I honestly I think it brings a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good time if you really buy into crypto or you really buy into the market. And it's long-term viability. It's a good time to buy in and, and buy so, some crypto or buy some stocks. With where I'm at now, I'm not necessarily buying the low, like buying the dip. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm doing is trying – I'm investing a lot of time. So I'm, yeah. I'm giving my time. I'm not mm-hmm. giving my money. I'm giving my time. I'm trying to build a community mm-hmm. uh, of poor artwork. I'm not even going to call it bad or like terrible artwork. It's just yeah. not good artwork. Well, you're focusing on the utility around yes. it, right? Yes. So I think that's the important thing. So Gary V is a huge example of that. His all of his NFT stuff, it's the artwork is not great. It's he's not known for the the fantastic artwork or anything, but it's the utility that he's bringing around it that people it's, are buying it's, into. It's, it's funny you say that. Gary V is a lot of what we structure ours around. Mm-hmm. We, we're copying a lot of what he's doing and doing a lot of the same things. Yeah, but our, but on our own way, mm-hmm. like in, our, in our own way. So we have a collection. Uh, the NFT community I'm starting is called Our Crew NFT. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have different characters, different subsets, different you know categories of passion. So there's music dudes, athletes. Um, taste buds, which are like food, food experiences, but like all these things tie into real life experiences. So, mm-hmm. and then there's Vikings and burglars who who rob and raid and can take the opportunity to win those experiences. And then there's mm-hmm. mob bosses who have their hand in everything. Interesting. But basically, and then there's normies. Normies can hold like a, a pen or 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 a chef knife or a basketball. And it gives you a small percentage to get entered into that like subset category raffle. So we're going to be doing raffles through gamification, and uh, this the value will come 
with uh, the secondary market. So we're giving away our bad MTs. There's going to be 10,000 of them. They're all free. Uh, <clears throat> but to be able to raffle off real-life experiences, like you want to go to the Super Bowl or maybe you want to eat at uh, Nursette's uh, steak, Steakhouse. Like we're just going to be giving away these different experiences. Um, How will that be funded? It will be funded through the community and okay. it will be funded through my, me and my business partner. Okay. Business partner, Mark, a good friend of mine. Uh, he's been one of my longtime uh, sponsors for years for my MMA career. So we've always just had that bond. We've built yeah. multiple projects together. I've seen him um, find success in a lot of his passions in life as well. And the guy has a great heart. So mm-hmm. it's someone I trust 110%. Yeah. Um, this is brand new to me. So building is challenging and I'm still trying to figure out what to do, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm meeting a lot of people. I'm networking well. And, and just, I think I'm telling the story of myself, which is going to sell. Yeah. Because if, if they're good founders, it's easy or good founders. If, if there are good people who are the founders, it's easy to want to be a part of that community. I think that's what it takes to be able to build an NFT yeah. community is a really good story behind it and good founders that people can feel good about because you're, if you think about it, really, you're if the utility is the important thing, right? Mm-hmm. You are you're kind of selling the idea and the hope that people that buy into it or or become a part of it will find that utility. Yes. And to be able to sell that, you have to they have to feel good about who's running it, mm-hmm. right? You you're not going to feel good about it if you don't feel good about the person running it, and you're not going to believe that that utility is at the end of the rainbow. So, to so speak. the money will come off the secondary market. So. All of these NFTs will be minted. There, people will own, I think, a maximum of three. Mm-hmm. Once everything's minted, the value comes in reselling. So when people right. resell, any any profit made from that will go back into the project to where we can buy more experience. There's a portion of that that you get as a fee for having been the original, the originator of that. Yeah. NFT, so right? when it comes to NFTs, there's people who collect them and just love being part of different subset groups and categories and, and communities because there's, there's so many different communities. Mm-hmm. Really cool artwork too. Actually, I'm already thinking past this this uh, this community, and I kind of want to start like another one, like a subset that kind of that that, that can be you, know, you could be tied to both. But I want to start one with like really good artwork. Yeah, like I want I want to really like have someone like hire someone to, to have like a small collection, and then be able to call that that community my own. Yeah, yeah. Because right now it's me and Mark. This is our mm-hmm. project. Uh, but one day I want I want to be able to do that. Um, so there's the collectors, there's the people who flip them. So we'll have we'll have both. We're mm-hmm. gonna have both um, within. And then I'll, I'll, we want the diehards as well. Yeah. So the people who see what we see, who like being the long term vision, who like being entered in the raffles. Yeah. And uh, I mean more than just the raffles and the raffle tech and the gamification, we're trying to build within that web. So with the food dudes, we want to build hot sauce. We want to have our own cold brew. Um, my cousin has a chili oil company, so I'm trying to attach the chili oil company to it so people can have a place to, like, try chili oil. I don't yeah. I've never had it. It's amazing. Yeah. You're so, trying to create this whole community around all these different and then things. And eventually sports start 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 sponsoring, you know, local fighters or people who, you know, like local solo athletes and, mm-hmm. and just create, like, we already have our own clothing brand with it, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, without giving too much out. like Bringing having, in all these different aspects. So try to make real-life uh, businesses within Web3, which is what we're entering. Um, and to see all the big players do it, Starbucks, Nike, mm-hmm. like, they have NFTs. Yeah. Which means if I sell you a pair of shoes, we do it through um, do an online transaction. So through, like, 
I sell you a shoe, it'll have that that NFT attached to it, which is the authentic, authentic, authentic. I can't even authenticated yes. version of it. Yes, I, mm-hmm. couldn't, I couldn't even get it. I couldn't. Yeah. Even get it. That's embarrassing, man. <laughs> but <laughs> happens. But um, you'll you'll have the NFT and the shoe, and that shows its validity. So that that's that's where they're trying to go with clothes. Mm-hmm. And I just I was texting Mark earlier today. Uh, v friends, Gary V's community has I think it's called Alpha Apes or Ape something. But they have their own clothing line, and they're giving they're giving away. Uh, like clothing within that that subset it's just cool how all that works like i said i'm still learning it's just this incredible kind of wild west hub of creativity that you could go a lot of directions with mm-hmm. i'm excited to see how it plays out thank you yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I i and and i wouldn't put time into something that wasn't worth my time so mm-hmm. in a perfect world this thing hits off this thing uh does everything we're trying to do with it um the financial will be there yeah like for the community and for the founders, mm-hmm. because like I said, there's uh, there's people who flip, there's people who collect, and then there's the the founders, and the founders there there will, there will be profit to be made. I don't know the numbers. I'm new to this space, but mm-hmm. but mathematically, it'll be good for for it, it could be like a like it can fund my fighting. Yeah. So that would be huge. That is the project I'm working on, so that I don't have to like really clock in. And yeah. I, and I love and I love bartending and and, I, and I've I've started my own business within that like mobile bartending and doing private events which is fun Mm -hmm. but nfts will 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 be a lot less work a lot more profit yep a lot less work in terms of like i don't have to go to an event which leaves you more time to work on your craft yes bring yourself i don't have forever in yeah but it's an interesting space um for anyone who has no clue about it I, i i still do my own research but the way the best way i can explain it is just it's just keys it's it's memberships yeah it's just it's just knowing people and I think that there's extreme utility with it moving forward. It's a very official way to create these communities. Instagram now lets you uh, attach your Ethereum wallet, so you can kind of show off your that. NFTs. I mean, that's what that's, Twi- cool. that's what Twitter does. Like, if I yeah. wanted to, I can make my profile picture. I can make it an NFT. That I did know about. Yeah, I didn't know Instagram was bringing on that capability. You can too, do you know? it now. Yeah. Okay, but I would never attach my wallet to a social media because people hack too much. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you wouldn't want to like risk. Maybe not my wallet, but like I'll, I'll show off an NFT, I guess. But I also, sure. w- what they call in this space, doxed, D-O-X-X-E-D. Mm-hmm. Like doxed. Your, your personal information being put out there. Yeah, yeah. so some people, it's not hiding behind a profile picture or, or an NFT picture, but some people just don't expose themselves, like who mm-hmm. they really are, which is okay. That's majority of the space, but me and Mark, Here's our faces. Here's what we do. Mm-hmm. We're not hiding anything. I think that's important for an NFT community because people have to buy into the founders, like we were talking yes. about earlier. You can't you can't really find much success being anonymous the the way we've seen it kind of play out at least like the, over the first maybe like year or whatever it's been since they really came onto the scene. You can't succeed anonymously because people don't have any confidence in the founders. People still do though. Like one of the biggest. Uh, one of the biggest. Do you think you can succeed long term that way? Yeah, I, 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 I literally have seen it unfold in my. In is my it eyes. just? Is it just being able to provide such utility that people don't care who the founders are? Uh, yes. Have you heard of Board Ape Yacht Club? Yeah, yeah. We were talking about this say, a little bit. I would say that that's the number one. Are they still anonymous? I think the names are out there, but okay. But they started anonymously. I, I couldn't tell you who who owns it. Yeah. Right. What's What's like your um, 
like the one kind of most important takeaway that you would want to leave the audience with about NFTs? Thing that excites you the most? They're not what you think. It's its own language and one that I recommend because finances is its own language. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's another derivative of finances. If you're into stocks, it's, it's the same it's the same. A lot thing, of the same principles, yeah. But you're not investing into like Tesla, McDonald's, mm-hmm. Starbucks. You're investing into a community that can build for you. Yeah, and with you. Uh, I think we were talking about founders without being doxed. Mm-hmm. So there's this guy named Frank DeGods. He's like the biggest name that I know, like the biggest name. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he looks like. He just has a picture, like mm-hmm. an emoji. Or uh, 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 NFT is his picture. He has a great influence. Uh, he just started because D Gods is the number one um, community on Solana, the number mm-hmm. one on on Ethereum's Board Ape Yacht Club. Yep, hundreds of thousands, like they're worth they're worth thousands to, to buy. They go to for millions, like they resell for crazy. Yeah, these and, and and like when people ask me, how do people have the like like and you think you asked me that as well? Why is it worth that much? Like what like it's the utility, it's yeah. the community celebrities get behind it celebrities are part of it celebrities own their own, like justin bieber owns his own nft community like there's a ton of there's a there, it's just so broad it's so crazy anyways board ape yacht club for ethereum solana is going to be d gods frank from d gods used that momentum and that success and started this thing called utes this is where i got robbed <laughs> <laughs> so utes there was a pre-mint they handed out scholarships. So many people wanted to be a part of it. They, they had scholarship applications. I don't think I got mine in in time, but they were, like, announcing who was getting accepted. I got scammed. Someone messaged me. It was like, hey, you can, uh, you can mint, because I wanted to mint. I wanted to have my own utes. Uh, you can, you can uh, mint at this website. And they, they, they copied exactly what the other website, the, the official website oh, looked like. Geez. So I clicked it. I attached my Ethereum wallet, and they robbed me of $60 worth of Ethereum. Mind you, it's a Solana project, so that I, I completely—that's my fault. I'm not. You just didn't it. know enough about the exactly. the whole thing. Yeah. Apparently, that happens a lot. And if you attach your wallet to the wrong, your Ethereum wallet or your Solana wallet to the wrong website, they can steal all your NFTs. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So just do your research, understand what you're getting into. Yes. It sounds like. So I would look at, I mean, I, I look at cryptocurrency and and stocks as the same thing. Mm-hmm. They, they all have the same value. Um, just I think that crypto was created with the purpose of decentralized finance. Yeah. So still learning. I cool. And I and hopefully I can educate people more. Sounds like a valuable journey, though. I've definitely, I've definitely enjoyed everything I've learned about it. Because when I ask people, they're like, it's a scam. I'm like, what about it? Yeah. And then they just, they'll send me a YouTube video. And then the YouTube video has good points, but you 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 put money into something you should you should know what you're putting money into yeah that goes for anything like i'm not just gonna buy a random nft because yeah. it looks cool yeah i'm people to do though i think that goes for any kind of investment that you're making you got to know what you're getting into of course like for instance i dude i wasn't doing very well with dogecoin or shiba mm-hmm. hype got me into it yep i think the world kind of works like that in general mm-hmm. starbucks and designer clothes and you know it's just there's, there's, there's always going to be people, things that people gravitate to because of the masses, the influence mm-hmm. of the masses. People follow the crowd. Yep. They do. That's so true. That's that, man. There you go. NFT talk. Yeah. So I have uh, a couple repeat questions that I like okay. to ask on every podcast. And I asked you the one before about being a professional. 
the other question I have is kind of having, and I'll, I'll choose kind of like the beginning of your MMA career, like your first organized fight as the starting point to base this off of. If you could kind of travel back in time and talk to a younger Mikey as you were first getting into organized fights, having the wisdom and the knowledge that you've gained over the eight years that you've been in it, what are some things that you would do differently? Oh, I thought I was gonna be like, what are you gonna tell yourself? Yeah, well, I guess so. <laughs> kind of kind of the same thing. What would you tell yourself uh, to like, do differently? Then, then do differently. Um, don't quit, I'm doing that. Take it more serious, because you know, I always wonder what if. Mm-hmm. Um, I would dedicate, I would tell myself to dedicate your, your all to it. Yeah. I've, I've eaten shit over the years. I try not to curse, but I, like I've 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 definitely had my my fair share of failure and struggles and trials and tribulations. I think that I could have set myself up better to endure them, and I could have not put myself in them. I think that a lot of the mistakes that I made in the past still haunt me, and I'm still paying for them. And then the mistakes I've made even more recently, I'm still dealing with. So I'm trying to monitor myself. Yeah, moving forward. But I just think that that doesn't even apply to just my athletic career. It just applies to life. I think anybody should be able to do that because I've made poor decisions in my in my past that I still have to answer for. Yeah. So I would probably tell myself to go all in. Um, whatever, because I don't know what all in looks like. I've I, I work hard. I think I'm a, a hard worker. I have a great work ethic, but I don't think that it is all at a continuous rate. So let's just say I work hard three months straight. Something will happen in that fourth month. And then maybe I'll go back to it, five, six, seven. But then something will happen. So I'll, so building consistency it has always been my issue. So you tell yourself to be a little bit better about that, a little more intentional about it? Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Intentionality. Yeah. yeah. Just intentionality with your craft. Well, Mikey, anything else you would want to give to the audience? We've talked about a lot. Anything you'd want to plug? Um, be good to people. Uh, yeah, be a good person. Love others. Be a gent. Having ho- ho- honeys. <laughs> <laughs> Having honeys is not cool. Um, what else would I like to plug? Uh, I have a food Instagram. I retired from Twitch. I used to be a Twitch streamer. Oh, interesting. It's uh, fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's, it's basically a live stream. You're just talking to an audience and mm-hmm. you're playing games. Like, it, was just, yeah. it blew my mind how much success I had with it in a short time. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I would say my last message to people would just be invest in all your passions. Like, embrace and, and like that. Fully, fully, fully try to maximize all those passions. You know, like, everyone has different interests. Everyone has different things that get their heart going i just say stick to that i would say that follow your path find a, find, a, find a way to incorporate it to your everyday life forever love that and i'm sure that'll interchange you know i'm sure i'll fall in love with new things but try to try to try to enhance the quality of your life by doing things that make you happy to be alive i love that i'm grateful to be alive dude in the in the dark in the light good days off i don't believe in bad days good days off days i'm just happy to be alive it, it really is such a crazy yeah. thing life so I think that's a great place to leave it off, man. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for being on so much, man. I really appreciate, appreciate it. you, man. Thank you for your thank time. You. Thanks for being here. Time is the most valuable thing we have. So it I'm is. glad that we got to spend it, man. This has been a great use of it. I'm grateful. Bro. Awesome.
Well, this has been Profession Session. My guest today has been Mikey Conlon of a really cool MMA career and NFTs and all kinds of cool stuff. We got real deep on this one. This has been a ton of fun, and thank you so much for tuning in. I will make it easy to find anything that could help you find Mikey in the uh, details of this post if you're watching on YouTube or the show notes if you're listening on audio. And uh, until the next episode, thanks so much for tuning into Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. Stay tuned for new episodes every week and short clips of deep dives into specific topics that I put out on different social media channels. We can be found on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all major podcast platforms. You can find my guest in the details of this video or podcast. And if you happen to know a young standout business owner, professional, or entrepreneur that you would think would be a good fit for profession session dm me or get in contact with me anywhere and just let me know and they could be the next to tell their story here until next time again this has been profession session stay focused stay hustling and stay networking